0: Hello and welcome to episode number 350 of the Plane Talking UK podcast. I'm Carlos and in this week's show, BA bring back all the best bits to business and first class passengers, EasyJet start a trolley service to your door and Ryanair want us to jab and go. And in the military this week, the Belgium Air Force receives its first Airbus A400M, British Aerospace, or BAE, ends aircraft manufacturing in Borough. And after 104 years, and the first Russian SU-57 is delivered to an operational unit. So joining me in the the PTUK studios this week. As always, it is the man who presses everything correctly and has the best cable management apart from Neville Bounds. It is (laughs) Matt Smith (laughs) yeah we're going to gloss over the cable management
1: at the moment to be fair because if Nev saw this studio after the Christmas show it hasn't been put right since then Uh, ow Nev would have a nervous breakdown if he saw the studio at the moment, I
0: have to be honest. Uh, so there we go. So, yeah, a, please please take back that statement. <laughs> okay, but you do, actually, Matt, you do have a nice picture on the green screen behind you this evening.
1: I do. Now, I don't know a lot about it. It's something that Jonathan Warner sent me. So bless uh, Jonathan Warner for sending me a picture. He sent it to the WhatsApp number, plus 447572249166. Uh, it's, it's one of those Antonov Russian things, isn't it? Yeah, 124. Oh, Very it is nice. the 124. Okay, yeah. Yeah. okay. I, I've actually yeah, heard of is. that
2: yeah yeah similar to the one that we did the story a couple of weeks
0: ago
1: about it running off the runway oh, oh okay Get so, a,
0: airplane.
1: <laughs> a bit of airplane knowledge there uh, now i should just explain very briefly uh, welcome armando hello by the way um we should just explain that uh, armando's having to use an emergency backup system at the moment because uh the weather is um challenging i think at best where you are at the moment.
2: Yeah, like I was saying, our friend Dan Holly, weatherman extraordinaire, one of his colleagues here in North Carolina, decided to put a snowflake on the weather forecast, so the entire state is shut down. <laughs> they
3: <laughs> actually the <laughs>
2: they put it in the internet, so I'm on my phone, not even a hotspot, and if I look outside, it is actually clear and warm enough to go walk the dogs, so kind of love those weathermen.
1: Right. Okay. I mean, does does that mean you're you're leaving us to go and walk the dogs? Is that is that your way of telling us that you're not available this week?
2: Just <laughs> no. to throw some spice into your world, Matt. Yes, I'm going to leave right now. Okay. Bye. bye <laughs> oh,
0: <crikey. laughs> So joining us this week also, uh, in his. Uh, glorious set. very nice suite as always wearing a shirt and overdressing for the occasion he always looks <laughs> smart it is neville banks
4: well i thought we need to bring in the standards up a little bit <clears throat> but uh, yes hello everybody and welcome to the first live show of 2021 nice. and uh, yeah hopefully um well <laughs> we hope it's going to be a, a nice <laughs> start to the <laughs> show but uh, uh, the story of the year, but um, yeah, it's been uh, a bit difficult, all this lockdown business, isn't it? So we're gonna be stuck with it for some time, I'm afraid, but we are mm. here to entertain you. So uh, uh, hopefully you'll enjoy what we've got to uh, show you tonight.
0: Yes, and thanks for joining us as always, Nev. Everything all right with the banana?
4: Uh, yes, well, it's not been out much, uh, obviously. Um, went to Sainsbury's the other day. That's a two and a half mile round trip. Um, that was it, no so climate. yeah, not much going on there. So I'll probably have to charge the battery um or put it on the trickle charger it's just not not being used at all so yeah it it use cool. 25
5: liters of fuel on that round trip now
0: uh, that's right yes,
6: <laughs>
0: yes first gear all the way yeah. very economical that uh, banana i tell you yeah, so that was the voice uh, we'll introduce uh, next i think and uh, joining us from the a320 podcast it is of course the first, or we'll say the first host, but the uh, one of the, f- the first hosts of the show. And it is, of
5: course, he joined us for the Christmas show. It's Andrew Wilson. Hello. That even sound like the podcast hello then, didn't that? It good did, evening. actually, yeah. Good afternoon, good morning, wherever <laughs> you are in the world. Hope everybody's well, and happy how, new year.
0: And how um, things are things here,
5: Andy? All good? Good. And my prediction as well, at the end of your Christmas show, your show is better than this year already. Mm, I
1: like that. I'll take that. So, really good. Is, is really that, good. I, I, I don't know. I I, I'm not, I I I feel like I should be offended. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's backhanded compliment. Anyone?
0: <laughs> no,
5: it's it's great to be here. I'm looking forward to the show tonight. It?
0: Good. It's good to have you on. Good to have you on. And also joining us is uh the other part of the duo from the A320 podcast. He was also on the Christmas show, and it's good to welcome back as well matt good to have you on matt
6: how are you hi everyone yes thank you for inviting us both on and uh yeah looking forward to the show as always still recovering from the christmas one so am i <laughs> <laughs> new year wasn't long enough <laughs> yeah
0: no, think... Amanda. Amanda I was going to say Amanda we did hear from he's um, busy uh, doing something in his studio at the moment
1: isn't he? oh crikey It's yeah, nerve no, It's all very
0: technical indeed but actually yeah. Matt can we before we move on matt i 'm going to ask you a question because oh, no. it was a question that was posted um, on the social medias and it 's also been asked by a few listeners and it was that question how long did it take <laughs> you guys to edit and get the christmas show to the level the high level of quality it was.
1: I think I think the, uh, the the phrase unexpected high levels I think is the best way to describe it. Yes, we were pleasantly surprised at how it turned out. There was a a recording session here in the studio where I had to basically match the hair, shave the beard off again like <laughs> you know continuity throw on the jumper and all that kind of thing. I think John and John sat down and worked out that if you included the pre-production, the actual recording and the hours spent if one person was doing all the editing, because both myself and John had to do all the editing on that particular potential car crash. And uh, I think it was... I think I think uh, John, correct me in my ear if I'm wrong, I think it was something in the region of nearly 90 that, Yeah, 92 hours, I'm being told in my ears wow. how long it took wow. to
0: do it. But, uh, hello. 92 hello. hours.
1: <laughs> You're right there, Carlos.
0: <laughs> so I'm just uh, just waving at uh, Armando's way. Oh, OK, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Maddie was just in, just saying hello, so... Oh, I yeah yeah 92 but, hours that yeah. is honestly that is just you know crazy
1: yes yeah we had a lot of fun though it has to be said it generated an, an unexpected amount of work
0: purely and simply because
1: we had so much fun that's that's, that's, that's the long and the short of it and if you okay. haven't
0: already seen the christmas show and uh, you're listening to the show as an audio show or a video or the um, the visual show do take yourselves over to our youtube page because the christmas show is on there and it is well worth a watch
1: yeah, yeah, it was good fun, and yeah, and the New Year show actually, it was quite nice to re, uh, to relive some of the um, the highlights, if you like, of the of the because uh, twenty twenty wasn't great. I'll will be honest, but I was delighted that you know actually we did, we achieved an alarming amount, shall we say, uh, despite lockdowns uh, left, right, and centre. And uh, New Year seems to have started the same way. I have to be honest, but mm.
0: <laughs> so moving on to our weekly roundup, Nev, uh, you've got something for us, haven't you?
4: Oh yes, well you know I, you know what I'm like. I, I get myself on a tizzy when uh, I see media fails, and uh, we haven't got to look very far. Uh, Andy Monks on Twitter very kindly uh, <laughs> posted this on his Twitter feed. Uh, a nice mug of a Boeing nineteen eighty nine to twenty twenty. That's fantastic, and they've put a picture of a, a Dreamliner uh, Dash Nine on it by the looks of it. So uh, wow, not a uh, 747 at all but uh, there you go but uh, as he's as andy says look at this exceptionally accurate cup for sale <laughs> on facebook <laughs> Oops. now i oh, mean yeah. i'm the first like- to admit
1: i don't know a great deal about aviation but even i was able to successfully identify because it hasn't got that little hump at the front <laughs> with the upstairs and yes. that's the only reason i was able to successfully identify that that is an incorrect image i mean everybody's slightly proud of me <laughs> It's it's not getting, a couple that, of that
2: might be well. worth
0: some money in a few years' time. You never know. Yeah, I don't. I mind feel
2: like so. that's putting a Christmas card together to your new wife with a picture of your ex-wife. Like <laughs> oh. <laughs> yes. That, what?
1: What? What? He. This, said. Is a,
2: yeah. <laughs> this is an aviation podcast. How many captains do we have on this show right now? Right. Like, it's just a matter of life in aviation. You're going to have a couple wives. <laughs>
0: Wow. Anyway,
5: okay, before the though, wives yeah.
7: do watch anything. <laughs> <cities or laughs> Surprisingly, <brazenly,
5: laughs> neither <laughs> of us are divorced either. Yeah,
7: yeah, yeah, absolutely. Oh, there's plenty of time for that. <laughs> Nev. Yeah, it's a burgeoning career.
4: <laughs> <laughs> I see what you did there. Oh, blimey. Let's <laughs> hope they
0: don't watch. Yeah. Anyway, um, moving on uh, to the next part of the show then. No, uh, uh, Nev, it is the beginning of the month. And obviously, we have some very special thanks to say to some awesome people.
4: We do, and uh, as always, as I mentioned, every month, we could not do this podcast without your assistance. So thank you very much to the Patreon donators this month, which are uh, Nick Codling, Warren Dixon, Luis Charis, uh, Alan Loveday, Andrew van der Sarg, Alan White, Stephen Howland, Tanya Wyman, Megan Carrion, Jacob Darlington Brown, Nicholas Hewitt, Masher, uh, Owen, Ruben Wells, uh, Graham Haley, Jonathan Warner, Eric Graves, uh, Matt Caton, Jordan Rose, Andrew Wilson, Captain Jeff, Adam Spink, Liz Piper, Jeff Ward, Myler, Evan Shoe, Philip Labe, Stuart Backer ray williams and stephanie palama and those who have uh, donated by the regular paypal method are tony s anthony smithson jennifer uh, parkinson yes jenny parkinson mazuz kareem and richard adams thank you very much to one and all we really appreciate your contributions
0: Yes, very much indeed, because this uh, this month we have invested in a new piece of kit for John, who uh, produces the show for us. So John has, is using a nice new headset now, and I must say, John, your audio is so much better. <laughs> yes, I mean,
1: we've got no excuse now. We, we, we,
0: he, we, we will hear him now, sadly.
1: Mm. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yes, actually, I uh, will just mention for those who are Patreon and... Uh, um, paypal donators we actually released exclusively to those wonderful people a special bloopers reel that we put together that's mainly around the fun and games we had with the christmas show that we mentioned earlier you'll see why there was so much editing when you watch that um, and also with a few highlight like you know, blooper highlights from from uh, within the year as well uh it will be uh, available to everyone else very soon
0: but t- if you are a patreon or paypal donator it is available in your inboxes already to give it a bit of a watch So big thanks to everyone who's joined us in the live uh, chat room this evening. And uh, we're just going to quickly read out the names in there. Graham Haley. Hello to you, Graham. Richard Adams, Lane Street, uh, Captain Al. Always good to have Captain Al in. Uh, Lee Davis, Captain Cruz, Graham Haley, Stephen H., Jenny in Rome. Hope things are good in Rome, Jenny. Hope you're safe. Uh, We've got uh, Brandon Spotter 23 Hello to you. Charles Einarsen. Uh, nice to see you in there Charles, uh, just scrolling up, Mark Priestley, hello to you Mark, uh, Neville Barnes is in there as well, keeping an eye on him, with the uh, blue spanner of death, <laughs> uh, and uh, Richard Adams is still in there, we're, good to, we're glad to see Richard Adams still in there, our main man Micah as well uh, is also in there, Sturman, hello to you Sturman, good to see you in there, and uh, just make sure I don't forget anyone. Stephen H, and hopefully I haven't missed anyone. And Auntie Liz Aww. as well is Hi, also Liz. In our proceedings. I wonder how
1: Poppy Season. is. Not your Poppy, obviously.
0: She's asleep, I expect. (laughs) But uh, yeah, don't forget as well if you do uh, watch the show or listen to the show, and uh, maybe you listen to it as an audio podcast, don't forget as well if you want to join us on YouTube, check us out on youtube.com forward slash plain talking UK. If you go on there, you'll see the subscribe button. You can click on that. And if you click on the bell icon, which is right next door, you'll be notified when we're live and recording new episodes because we'd love to have you in the chat room. So we've got another little special bit to play out next, haven't we, guys?
4: Yes, we have, and uh, as the episode is 350, what's better to show some A350 stuff? I've been looking through some bits and pieces on uh, YouTube recently, and I've been really impressed with some of the content that a chap called Bjorn Pilot has been putting out there. Now, Bjorn's a uh, skipper for a major Scandinavian airline flying the uh, A330 and A340, and you might have hear, hear people from time to time talk about the avionics bay in in aircraft and of course the bits you see on the flight deck are are just the the, the control panels effectively and the knobs and buttons. But the clever bit is very much in the avionics bay. Now I just assumed that the avionics bay on the A350 wasn't that big and they'd crammed it all into a, a small space and you could get access to it from somewhere. Just take a look at this video and the the way Bjorn takes us down from the flight deck into the avionics bay. It is absolutely astounding.
7: I will check out the avionics compartment where all the computers are placed.
8: The light and opening.
3: First time I'm down here. All the computers and uh, lots of stuff. Everything clean and new. The nose gear is below this one. Should be a hatch somewhere. So you can go down with the ladder. I think it's off here
2: wow.
8: Should be here Let's take a look into the
3: To the cargo area
0: This is cargo area Wow
1: the ladder to to the cockpit. Oh.
7: Closing. Oh,
8: oh.
1: That's acting Absolutely ridiculous. I've never seen so
4: much tech in my entire life. I know, it was brilliant, wasn't it? And the the amount of space that the avionics bay occupies in the 350 is phenomenal. Uh, But of course, we're going to give them a a very bold 9.5 out of 10 for cable management oh uh, right bro- oh, yeah. oh blimey that is <laughs> indeed. so uh, yeah and goodness, uh, so ab- absolutely unbelievable so but uh, yeah that, have a look at uh, bjorn's channel on youtube uh, on twitter he's at bjorn pilot and you can just look him up on youtube as well he's got some fantastic we'll make sure stuff. it's in the show notes for anybody yeah, else so. absolutely yeah so what do you think about that uh, a320 guys
6: yeah it's incredible isn't it um you know on the 320 It's you have to go out externally, climb up a ladder through the underneath. Um, That is just incredible. It reminded me actually of years ago when I watched the film of uh, Flight Plan with Jodie Foster and they went down into sort of a computer room. And you thought that is the most unrealistic thing I've ever seen in my life. And here we are. They finally caught up with Hollywood and they (laughs) built a, a room underneath the airplane for all the computers
1: i mean in it's, some respects it makes sense doesn't it but yeah, <laughs> yeah we
6: forget and... how
5: much room is down there as well really because yeah. it well, with the floor of course you've got all the height above you've got just about the same below and you can fit a lot of stuff down there especially on the electric jets that uh, Airbus produce, there's a lot of black boxes. It looks a lot like a, a server room, really. Yeah, down there.
1: Yeah, it, it does, actually. That, that is a good comparison, actually. Uh, as is, and as Nev quite rightly pointed out, a solid 9.5 out of 10 for its cable management.
6: It's beautiful. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you imagine how many cable tyres are down there. Oh, my goodness. And the other thing is, you must imagine the cooling. You know, a server room yeah. takes a huge amount of cooling, and you would imagine there's a similar system down there.
1: I mean, how much realistically, how much of that stuff could be operated by, by battery, for example? Because presumably, you don't have the engines running when you're tapping all that stuff in like, like
5: flight plans and stuff like that. No, but that's all on the um, ground power. So it's using all the same right bars. So it's the full electrical system. It's just instead of the engine generators given the power, it's either the APU generator at the back or okay. um, just a direct ground feed of the required voltage straight in yeah okay that kind right. of makes
6: sense yeah for example i mean some of the loads on these aircraft like the a380 has two generators on the apu and when they plug into ground power they have to have two ground powers plugged in to run really i don't know what it's like on the 350 but looking at that room i wouldn't be surprised if it was similar, <laughs> similar
1: yeah. yeah sort of vague, just because of the sheer current i suppose yeah yeah wow gosh well, thank you for finding that, Nev. That was fascinating.
4: <laughs> yeah, brilliant.
1: Yeah, that was absolutely fanning.
0: Um, yeah, Dan Brennan in the chat room says, uh, the A330 bay is equally as spacious. Uh, the A320 is horrible. If you're over a size 28 waist, you're struggling. Oh, dude, that's me out there. <laughs> Lovely. I, I, can, I can get in. I'm over size 28 waist. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
1: What's Armando said in the chat room?
3: No, oh. Oh, uh, oh good. You know, one
2: of my favorite things to do when I worked at, on different airplanes and I was flying a bunch of different platforms was the labels that they put on everything and I remember that in the C-130 avionics bay um, which wasn't as big as that there was one, one box in there and it just said handle like eggs I like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> now, make it simple for the mechanics
1: <laughs> wow okay <laughs> I
2: like it I like it a lot
1: Oh, sorry. I'm having some technical issues in the studio here, guys. I can't get the uh, chat room to work for some reason. So uh, you'll yeah, just fine. have to keep
0: reading them out for me. We'll this keep week. an eye. Yeah. So uh, I suppose we better move on. I suppose the next part of the show. So we're going to move on uh, with uh, our roundup of the weekly news from around the world and the UK. So if everyone is ready, yeah, let's do yeah, it. Let's
7: go. <laughs>
4: Well, as we've been away for a couple of weeks, uh, we thought we'd give you a bit of a roundup of some of the headlines since we've been away. Well, uh, Alaska Airlines accelerates Airbus retirements and places new order for 23 new 737-9 MAX aircraft. This brings to 68 and 52 options, the number of MAX aircraft that Alaska have on order. A German uh, Diamond DA28 Katana pilot draws uh, a vaccine in the skies. Uh, BA A320neo diverts after First Officer becomes unconscious. The BA flight bound for Athens turned round over Croatia, intending to return to London, have it eventually diverted to Zurich. The First Officer is now feeling well and was positioned back to London. Uh, Pokemon planes brought back by Japan's Solar Seed Air. Pokemon liveries haven't been seen since 2016, but the new livery On the solar sea, Boeing 737 features Pokemon Character executor. Uh, Turkish Airlines is now flying to over 200 destinations. Since returning to its operations in June, Turkish Airlines has been working to rebuild its status as it's serving most uh, most destinations of any airline globally. Uh, Through the 31st of January, uh, Turkish will be flying to 208 destinations and a new suspect in the Lockerbie disaster has been charged in a US court. This represents the third person to be charged or prosecuted in the last 30 years. And finally, food and drink has been banned from domestic flights in Thailand. The Civil Aviation Authority of Thailand has banned food and drink on All domestic flights uh, and routes in Thailand. The move comes after the authorities try to restrict the amount of the uh, spread of the coronavirus. All flights that don't exceed two hours duration come under the ban. So, uh, yep, that's a summary of what's been happening since we were last doing a live show.
0: There you go. There's been a lot happening since we've been off air. Blimey. I know. Especially some of those stories. And it's yeah. nice to see Turkish now uh, with 200 destinations, which is all good for, um, well, especially when we get to the other end of this, uh, this pandemic anyway, or mm. 208 destinations, yeah. Very wow. good. Very good. So first news story then, and uh, looking forward to this one because I am really eager to see what this is like when we do eventually get to go back to Dubai. So this one uh, comes to us from Emirates.com and uh, Sam Chewy. .com and the and Emirates takes its newest A380 with premium economy to London. Emirates has announced that it will deploy its latest flagship A380 aircraft featuring the new premium economy seats and luxurious enhancements across all cabins to London Heathrow. Starting from the 4th of January, passengers flying between Dubai and London Heathrow on EK003 and 004 can experience Emirates' latest A380. Uh, Emirates last week unveiled its latest A380 80 with brand new premium economy seats that offer a generous seat pitch of up to 40 inches. Yes, you heard me right, 40 inches. In addition to a new economy class seats, enhancements to its popular Ace 380 80 first class and business class, including its signature shower spa and onboard lounge and refreshed colors and fittings across all cabins. Until uh, more premium economy seats uh, enter its inventory, uh, the airline intends to offer these as spot upgrades for its valued customers on a discretionary basis. So if you're one of those lucky customers, what should you expect? Well, the premium economy class is located at the very front of the main deck of Alpha 6 Echo Victor November. It has 56 seats in a 242 layout with a pitch of up to 40 inches and a width of 19.5 inches. The seat itself is a highly customized version of the PL3530 seat from Recaro. It has an 8 inch recline, 13.3 inch screens, adjustable head, uh, leg, and foot rests, and in arm dining table and cocktail side table Ooh, Wow, nice each seat is finished with uh, cream colored anti-stain very important leather Uh, with bronze and wood panel trim. Uh, This A380 also has uh, refreshed cabin interiors uh, in all cabins, including updates to business class with an executive Jets-inspired finish, Uh, new wider and taller doors in its first-class private suites, and the latest seats with their award-winning ICE IFE in economy as well. Now, I must say, I'm looking forward very much to this um, because... Having flown Emirates a number of times, economy was good with Emirates, to be fair, as is business class, but these seeing these seats, these pre- premium economy seats on the, the press release they made on YouTube, the video, they do look really nice.
5: I, have to say. I think this is an extremely shrewd move by Emirates. The premium economy market is massive and not everybody wants to pay the price of their business class, which is brilliant. I mean... I'd love to try their first as well, but that's well out of my price uh, range <laughs> I think but exactly I definitely think price range. <laughs> as as a as a fan of trips overseas to watch cricket, I know some people will think that's very boring. I do like to travel in comfort and I'd definitely definitely go for this premium economy offering
6: mm.
1: Did. I'm just playing the video actually, so if people. Uh, I mean, it looks beautiful, doesn't it? I mean, it, I quite it like. Does look it, nice. I mean, if I was to be super critical, it, it look. I mean, I think it looks really stylish, but it's got a real old school feel about it. Do you know what I mean? It reminds me of the Ro- Rovers. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Is that? I
2: love it. I will, I will say over the holidays, I got rid of my Jeep and bought a, a new Volkswagen. that has got the same color interior, and I bought a seven-year warranty because I have kids for that <laughs> same color line. So good luck to Emirates.
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, do do we? What does everybody else? Is it just me? Thinks it looks a little dated, perhaps?
2: No, I like it. I think it looks smarter. Yeah, it's yeah.
5: very em,
0: it's very Emirates. Yeah, that's
5: very, what I was going to say. It is Emirates. very very Emirates. It's that plush. They're all right, slightly dated, but they're gone for the sort of seventies proper luxury look, aren't they?
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Don't get me wrong. If you if you sort of said, would you like to come and sit in this seat? It would be definitely like, yeah, yeah, I'm up for that. Yeah. But it's, actually, so... actually, I think we I think have. They to ask probably Nev,
0: don't we. We have to ask now. Being the connoisseur of all things True. business class. What do you think, Nev?
4: Oh, well, I, I, I totally agree with Andy. I mean, the whole problem that uh, the airlines have had has this been this massive disparity between the price of an economy seat and a business class seat. Uh, the uh, uh, premium economy that uh, they look as though they're offering here looks absolutely superb. And I think that they're gonna do really well with it. So yeah, I agree with Andy, very shrewd move and a very good time to do this as well, because let's face it, people are seriously fed up and they'll want to fly somewhere. Uh, And they will probably pay a bit of a premium to do that as well because they've been uh, not able to travel. So, uh,
6: yeah, I think they've done
4: a nice job here.
0: So, Matt C, what uh, what do you think about that?
6: Yeah, I think it looks great. And actually, I think it could work the other way as well, where if people are trying to cut costs, it's not such a downgrade for them if they used to travel in business and now they can travel in premium. It's not such a, a big jump down. I reckon Emirates would probably re- um, prefer the phrase classic to dated.
1: <laughs> yes, yes. So that's that's good. But then, you know, that that's a very sensible PR answer as opposed to the stuff that usually falls out of my mouth, let's be honest. But, uh,
6: but I, I think um, Armando is right. I think they've gone for the corporate jet look. It does look yep. very much like the uh, corporate jet images you see put out, doesn't it?
1: Actually, yeah, that's a good comparison. That 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 it is uh, you know, it, it wouldn't look out of place with people like NetJets and things like that. You know, it's that same mm. sort of that sort of same sort of plush luxury, isn't it?
0: I I look forward to seeing how much of a difference there is between the price of economy and um and this premium. It'd be, it'd be interesting to see. Have they released look any prices? To seeing yet? the state yeah. of the
5: seats after four years. <laughs>
1: Yeah, apparently yeah. there's been uh, there's no tickets being sold at the moment, so I guess it's. I uh, say I was mm. I was going to make Carlos look it up, a
0: uh, producer. I, I did. I actually did look earlier this week, Matt, and I couldn't. Um, I think John just said I couldn't find any on. No, on, okay. On. A bit of, um,
4: yeah. Information from uh, Captain Al in the, the chat room, rather helpfully, he says that the Emirates Premium Economy will keep the cricket riffraff out of business class. Oh,
1: how rude! <laughs> Harsh, (laughs) harsh. but I don't know. Any comment to that, Andy? Actually, no, uh,
0: too risky. No, moving on.
5: Uh, (laughs) I thought we we were friends, Al. I thought we were friends.
0: So, Mr Smith, you have got a nice and sharp story to go on with
1: Uh, Well, yes, literally, uh, in in some respects. So uh, this is uh, story number two, as it always has to be, is, of course, a Ryanair story, and the headline is Ryanair in hot water with two UK authorities in brackets. Are we surprised? No is the short answer. Ryanair's new Jab and Go advert is being investigated by the Advertising and Standards Authority, the ASA, after the watchdog received over a thousand complaints. The advert, which uh, features a small bottle labelled vaccine and a syringe, tells the public COVID vaccines are coming, so book your Easter and summer holidays today with Ryanair. One million seats on sale from £19.99 to sunshine destinations in Spain, Italy, Portugal, Greece, and many more so you could... Jab and go. Uh, The ASA said that it received 16. 1,600 in complaints about the advert including that it was misleading to suggest the vaccine would be rolled out by the spring and that travel restrictions would be over. Uh, Consumers also complained that the advert uh, trivialized the pandemic's impact on society. Elsewhere however Ryanair and the UK Civil Aviation Authority are having a bit of a spat. Uh, The airline has cancelled a dozen domestic routes in the UK blaming the CAA's wet lease policies. Uh, The issue stems from using wet lease foreign aircraft for flights from the UK so wet lease is where one aircraft provides another um, a complete uh, aircraft package including crew maintenance uh, insurance fuel and often soft products the CAA told the flight a global that A uh, airline with the type of presence Ryanair UK has shouldn't rely on foreign registered aircraft for their operations. Ryanair UK currently have only one single aircraft out of the group's over 460 aircraft registered in the UK and so are using Irish wet leased aircraft on UK routes. Uh, The aircraft was registered in 2019 although has only operated twice under its RK code. Uh, Both occasions Uh, to uh, both occasions to countries outside the EU, uh, Montenegro and Norway, and uh, both trips since January 2021. On the 21st of December the airline Ryanair UK was made aware by the CAA that it would be in breach of regulations once the UK left the EU, commonly referred to as Brexit. Everyone quickly grab a drink. Uh, Ryanair said that it had agreed to contingency arrangements with the CAA two years ago, and that it was impractical to comply with the new requirements with 10 days' notice. The CAA responded uh, that it did not change its policy but rather upheld a long standing principle. CAA Director Paul Smith said, It's been our long standing position that a UK airline with a significant presence in the UK, such as Ryanair U- UK does, uh, should not rely heavily on wet-leased uh, foreign-registered aircraft. Uh, doing so undermines the competitiveness of the UK aviation industry. Now, I have lots of personal <laughs> feelings about this. And, um, mm.
4: Nev, uh, any thoughts before I come to, uh, before I sort of voice mine? Oh, I'm, I'm too shy. I, I must let you go first, Matt, please. Since, since when have you been... Right, okay, alright.
1: Well, uh, see, we had a production meeting last night. I know that's a shock that we had a production meeting, but I, I, I mean, I, I kind of agree with him. I kind of agree with O'Leary on this. I, I, I mean, it's like, if it's okay for one... I, I get the whole competitions thing. I, I, I get that to a degree. But if... I don't know. I just... Yeah, somebody bailed me out of this hole because I'm worried I'm going to say something that I shouldn't. (laughs) Good, lovely...
6: Deadly deadly silence, silence. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) I think the issue here is not necessarily um, anything to do with Brexit. I think this is an issue that's been going on for a while and the CAA don't really like it, that Ryanair, the majority of their aircraft are based outside of Ireland, yet they're registered there and the Irish... Version of the CAA, the IAA, have very different rules on certain things, and Ryanair take advantage of that by effectively being headquartered there. So it's always been an issue that they can undermine the competitiveness of other airlines by, by doing that. And, you know, most of their certainly there's a lot more of their aircraft in Stanford than there are in Dublin. So I think that's where the issue comes from. And if uh, my take, team... sorry, sorry, I was going to say if you take other big
5: low-cost carriers as well, Wizz Air have quite a few aircraft on their UK register, as well as obviously EasyJet. Right. Okay. Main, well, most of their aircraft are on the UK register, but the other big low-cost airlines have actually made an effort with the UK um, arm to register more aircraft than just one. One. Right. Yeah. Okay
6: sorry yeah, Matt.
1: that's true i hadn't thought i hadn't thought of that yeah no that's fair yeah, and with the
6: with the jab and go i was gonna say i mean <laughs> i'm not really that bothered about it it's just a joke isn't it I don't yeah think, you know it's it's i mean it's worked hasn't it it's all over the paper people are talking about it yeah. so you know
1: what what's it they say it's like yeah no uh,
6: uh, and there's no such thing as bad pr i mean it's like they say know, yeah yeah that's the, but that's you know that's the rumor no one actually really surely believes that oh if we get a jab we can then go and book a flight with Ryanair. it's just yeah i guess it's just talking about the situation in general well never
0: not. yeah <laughs> well let's move on to, let's move on to something a bit more first class shall we nev oh yes
6: absolutely see what he did there
4: uh, this is on the, uh, the uk and it says that British Airways is set to restore most of its business and first class service for flights starting on the 20th of January this year so just a couple of weeks away, less than that now uh, to limit the spread of COVID-19 on board, many airlines reduced in-flight services replacing hot meals with pre-packaged snack boxes, no longer distributing blankets and pillows no open pour drinks in the main cabin but with a vaccine all Already in the early stages of distribution, the industry is starting to see a light at the end of the tunnel and is making plans for 2021. Uh, on this, as part of this article, it shows you a picture of a British Airways aircraft, which is absolutely brilliant. Uh, why they've shown a 747-400, <laughs> which has been uh, taken out of service, I have no idea. But it what should be on know. the mug. Well, <laughs> why? why not put an A350 or a Dreamliner up there? At, uh, Uh, Anyway, um, Turning Left for Less uh, website reports that British Airways will be bringing back the following in-flight services for business and first class. So standard business and first class china, cutlery and glasses, uh, dine-on-demand and a la carte uh, dining in first class, hot meal service in regional business class, signature afternoon tea service and special meals, normal first uh, and club bar service with premium drinks. Uh, full tray service for the main meal in long haul premium economy, World Traveler Plus and in economy, which is what they call World Traveler. Uh, though note that the uh, Dine On Demand uh, meals will be served on a single tray. Massive issue there, I'm sure. Uh, the, there are a few things which are not returning. Uh, no mattress toppers or blankets for Club World. Bit of a shame that, because I quite like it. but very snuggly. Uh, no pre-departure drinks and no warm towel services. Uh, well, the uh, the bottom line is currently all meals are served in snack boxes and there is no hot meal service at all, uh, with the exception of international first class cabins. But it is nice to see BA, which is one of the airlines to most drastically reduced in-flight services, start re, uh, reintegrating a more full service flight experience for business and first class passengers so let's see how they get on uh because uh, i have to say the the snack box that they did and i had a couple of experiences of this uh, on the gibraltar flight and a couple i did to edinburgh they were not bad at all i've got to say so they, they did a nice job with that but this is going to be returning to a a full hot meal and uh, drinks trolley service
5: i do have a solution for the nor pre-departure drinks either offer them to be ordered beforehand so they're ready at your seat Ooh. Or just leave you a tree of everything, wine, <laughs> beer, champagne, pins, everything,
1: everything. I mean, mm. the, the second idea is is a great idea, but it's very much um, uh, at risk of being abused, shall we say. Oh. <laughs> Not by the business and
0: first-class traveler uh, My apologies, sorry, uh, where, where are my manners? Uh, <laughs> I suspect you're upset about the hot towel thing, Nev, you know. Uh,
4: well, actually, no, I'm not because uh, the temperature that these things come out of the microwave <laughs> seems to be about uh, 200 degrees centigrade, so you end up with uh, blisters on your hands and face at the... What, makeup
0: what? everywhere. Uh,
4: yeah. So, uh, but uh, no, uh, it's it's all right. It's uh, well. Let's let's see how we get on. But I don't think I'm going to be going back on any of these uh, p- probably till March or April at the very earliest. I I would say. Mm. So we'll have to see.
0: So, Armando, you've got uh, the next story, which is going to cost Boeing a couple of quid.
2: Yeah, I think most of us saw this coming, and this has been widely reported in the news, but Boeing has agreed to settle a criminal charge that it conspired to commit fraud by deceiving federal aviation officials by withholding safety information in its 737 MAX control systems. The U.S. Justice Department uh, on Thursday announced that they deferred the prosecution deal. Under the terms of this agreement, Boeing was charged with one count of conspiracy to defraud the United States. That will be dismissed after three years, if Boeing continues to comply with the deal. So it calls for the uh, for Boeing to pay over $2.5 billion U.S. dollars in penalties and compensation payments to the companies that bought the planes and to the heirs, relatives, beneficiaries of the 346 passengers in those two crashes. Um, of that, $2.5 billion, $1.77 billion uh, has been set aside for Boeing, uh, the 737 MAX customers, The company said that it already accounted for a bulk of these costs in prior quarters and expects to take a 743 million dollar charge in its uh, 2020 fourth quarter earnings to cover the rest 500 million dollars will go to the crash victim beneficiary fund and 243 million dollars and change will go to the government to settle their criminal penalty so unlike many corporate uh, settlement agreements where the defendant admits no wrongdoing Boeing must acknowledge and accept the government's criminal fraud charge. Uh, In court documents, uh, Boeing admitted that two of its 737 uh, MAX flight technical pilots withheld information about the MCAS uh, from the Aviation Watchdog's Aircraft Evaluation Group, or the AEG for the FAA. Uh, that omission meant subsequent technical material uh, published by the FAA lacked the important details about the MCAS and it deprived pilots of adequate training to deal with that system. The president, CEO, Dave Calhoun, said that he firmly believes that entering into this resolution is the right thing to do for the company, a step that appropriately acknowledges how they fell short of their values and expectations. He also added that this resolution is a serious reminder to all of us how critical our obligation of transparency is to the regulators and the consequences that our company can face if any one of us falls short of those expectations. Um, so, like i said I, I think most of us saw this coming. this was uh in the works uh for a long time, and we knew that that uh fairly quick after the accidents, the victims' families established that beneficiary fund and were going to uh challenge uh, Boeing's you know technical documentation and processes Wow,
1: well, I mean do we I mean, there's so many questions I've got about this. I won't go on too much. I know because we're we're overrunning a bit, but it's just, it's, I mean, uh, is there really a bottomless pit? Because I mean, this is going to cost an, an. I mean, it's already cost a, a frightening amount of money, and um, I mean, are we at risk of something like this bringing, bringing Boeing to
2: an end?
6: Hmm.
2: No, I don't think so. I, I think this is something that they probably planned for fairly quick after the aircraft was grounded how they were going to get it back in the air Um, also i'm glad to see that at least this ceo is uh, adhering to the corporate responsibility and sort of taking um you know uh, taking uh acknowledging that that the company did end up in this situation because of of some of their shortcomings Um, but at the same time the aircraft is back in the air it's flying. There's orders coming in. You know, I'm sure they're, they're at wholesale prices. But I don't think this will take uh, Boeing down. I think it's just going to steer the company in a different direction and, and most likely a positive direction. That's my opinion.
5: Okay. I think, sadly, in this day and age, you have to kick a company in the teeth monetary-wise for them to make corporate change within a company. That's the only way you can make it happen. And sadly, a lot of people lost their lives over this. Mm. Um, and I don't think Boeing will ever let it happen again.
1: I mean, yeah, I mean, there's this, yeah, let... Uh. I, I, I don't know. I guess the alarm bell ringing in my head is is the fact that like it shouldn't have taken something like this. I mean, they should have seen the seriousness of the situation here, and and but I mean, we've we've gone over this again and again, haven't we? At the end of the day, so uh, you know, this is this is not new territory. But uh, actually, Armando, I, I before I we sort of move on in a moment, but Armando, I, I need to, to to bring something up with you, if I may. What's that? Okay, so uh, it's now switched to you. Now, we don't normally get this angle, um, but just over your sh- shoulder there is probably one of the, I'm going to zoom in so that everybody can see in the audience. One of the coolest things I think I've ever seen in my life just behind you. <laughs> I absolutely, what is this? You need to explain to me what that is. It looks like something like from, from I don't
2: know. Oh, a, yeah. No, that's when I was an extra in, in the Star Wars movies. I was a stormtrooper. Right. And this okay. Was, this is my this is my other stormtrooper helmet.
1: Right. Okay. Yeah. All right.
2: Fair enough. <laughs> no, these are uh, standard aircrew helmets. Um, I was fortunate enough to receive these when I retired out of the Air Force. But this is an uh, an HGU fifty five P fixed wing helmet, and that uh, this one here, which uh, makes you look like a stormtrooper, is my. HGU 56P uh, rotary wing helmet. Um, so this is what we wore on the Osprey, which is uh, it's not light by any means. It's probably eight pounds or so, and then there's a battery pack on the back for two nine-volt batteries, and then right here is where your night vision goggles mount. Um, so there, there is also in addition to the oxygen mask, if you're wearing that, if you're not wearing that, there's a face shield that comes up here. It's called a maxillofacial something protector shield. And with that you really do look like a stormtrooper and it's always fun to land in that you know a foreign country and there's no skin exposed <laughs> and you're explaining to them that the worldly bird that just fell from the sky and landed in their field that we're with the government and we're here to help.
4: Right
3: that is so cool. Yeah I
4: knew that was at 56 I'm surprised. We, no, I'm to we took
2: our cues from that documentary avatar. Do you remember when Right the yes yeah much so. <laughs>
1: Anyway, sorry. It was the geek in me just couldn't let it go. I'm afraid I, I, I needed clarity.
0: <laughs> Rich Richard Adams, uh, Richard Adams in the chat room says, uh, "Overkill for dropping jumpers from a Cessna 182." <laughs> Possibly, yes. Probably, probably a little too much, really. Yeah.
2: <laughs> now, I will say I have a third one of these that I uh, converted over for aerobatics. So when I was flying the the extra over there in the UK. Um, without the oxygen mask, this was a, a great helmet for flying uh, aerobatic maneuvers in that in that airplane. Do you know
1: the, the most frustrating thing is, is he doesn't even have to try? He's just cool, isn't he? It's just, <laughs> it really Oh Anyway, maybe, oh, man. John's uh, going to start uh, screaming no, actually, in my ear. I
2: will like, say, I will say uh, speaking of aerobatics, uh, big shout out. I'm wearing my brand new Jody Ruger Air Shows oh. t shirt or uh, polo shirt. And then we've got a couple extra hats, and I think uh, I was talking to John uh, that we may we may send one of those. We'll we'll come up with some kind of good prize or something to get yourself a nice little uh, uh, Jody Ruger air show, uh, nice embroidered hat. And uh, use all the
1: freebies, honestly. Yeah. Look at that.
2: Well, it'll go to one of our fans. So
0: we have we have fans now. (laughs) Yeah. The, ch- the chat room are going to be watching every show now. Yeah, like, absolutely. Second indeed. of every show to get the anyway. Out. Before, as I say, before so I go deaf on, in my left ear. Yes, uh, <laughs> Matt, our uh, guest Matt, uh, you've got the next story which is all
6: about uh, cooking uh, birds. Oh, <laughs> it is. Yeah. So uh, we've got EAT Leipzig A three hundred six at Amsterdam on the third of January has a bird strike. So, uh, as I say, on the 6th of Jan, sorry, 3rd of January, the A300 flying on behalf of DHL registration Delta Alpha Echo Alpha Charlie was performing a flight from Amsterdam to Leipzig in Germany and was rotating for takeoff from um, Amsterdam's runway 36 left when the left engine emitted a bang and a stream of flames. Uh, there's photographs and footage of this the crew continued the takeoff during the literal climb reported that they'd had a bird strike likely into the landing gear but they were okay now the aircraft continued to leipzig for a safe landing about 50 minutes later the aircraft remained on the ground in leipzig for about 13 and a half hours before returning to service so all those people that are uh, fearful of flying this aircraft you're about to see on the video was quite spectacular and continued to its destination Ooh. and flew again afterwards
4: now would you have continued uh, to its destination i know it wasn't that far away but i would just thought they might have wanted to just do a circuit and then come back to land but
6: well it would depend on what the indications were in the in the flight deck i mean that was obviously looks like an aircraft the engine has stalled or had a had a just a bit of a surge mm. but if after that it was running normally um, i'd say so you'd, yeah, you'd have to see what situation was on the, so, yeah. was, um, yeah, on the mean, flight deck yeah we can't yeah. see on the
5: flight deck if something's gone through the core or around the outside so, so would so... would so would would what were the chances of, of them actually knowing that that's
1: what
6: had, what had happened i mean would they even even known anything had happened then well we
5: heard yeah. the bang Sorry, yeah, man. they'd
6: have probably, you know, I was going to say they probably heard the bang, and if there was a momentary loss of power or a surge, it might have felt it yaw for a second. Um, and I would imagine there was probably a blip in one of the one or more of the uh, indications for the engine, I would guess, but yeah, they probably know, but then you'd monitor the, the parameters and see if it's running normally. Yeah, sorry, Andy, continue.
5: Uh, yeah, I was just going to say, because it's on the 300, the A300, it's old-fashioned dials. It's not um, not CRTs, that's even old-fashioned as well. <laughs> it's not the LCD displays for the engines in one of those. And it's got a very rudimentary e-cam system, which was sort of the birth of what we have in the 320. So they probably wouldn't have seen that much on it. One of the needles may have dipped ever so slightly. I mean, that video that you've shown there is very slowed down. That streak of flame is is like a click of your fingers. It's not very long. So yeah if if everything looked fine i'd have carried on as well
2: or they're listening to the show and they just found out right now
1: <laughs> yeah it's like oh what what happened <laughs> yeah what what was that Yeah. i mean again so th- this is actually in real time so this hasn't been slowed down the video that i'm showing now and as i say it's literally the quickest little flash you just think oh what was that you know bo- boof. yeah
5: just just heavily fried uh bird yeah really. indeed
0: absolutely yeah, yeah.
5: Yes, they're heavily fried Yeah. Stephen care.
0: H in the chat room says, and the bird was on the menu in the airport restaurant 15 minutes minute later.
1: later as it was already cooked, isn't it? I mean, it's mm. just, you
5: know, scrape it up off the tarmac, away we go. <laughs> <laughs> it might have also got that sort of fishy smell that you get as well when you take a bird down the core. Oh, really? Yeah, especially birds like that. Sam's close to the sea as well, so it comes off a <laughs> bit of a fishy... No, it does. Uh, oh, when right. a bird goes down the core of an engine, it sort of gives a bit of a a meaty fishy smell
1: okay
5: uh, see, I, mean, I, I, I guess i i the naivety from
1: my point of view is just like you think sort of i mean not you know you you drive your car and occasionally it just goes it like coughs and you think oh well, what's that and then you sort of sl- you know but you sort of dismiss it within a few, few moments if you like it's uh, i guess it could potentially be the same as far as the the aircraft is concerned as well but um
2: yeah. Matt, I think you'd be surprised how many, how many bird strikes actually happen. I think Matt and Andy probably taken quite a few. I know I've taken at least a dozen in 20 years of flying in different airplanes.
6: Yeah, taken quite a few, yeah. Some of them hit the windshield. Some of them hit the landing gear. Some go mm-hmm. through You have to be quite unlucky for it to go through the core. If you think how much airplane there is <laughs> hitting the air, the chance of it going down the core is quite uh, quite slim quite slim yeah that's true
0: mm. that's true so next story or the last one i should say over to you andy for this one and uh, a very special service being offered by uh, one certain carrier
5: yes um uh, well with flights still disrupted by the covid 19 pandemic and air travel making a very slow recovery easyjet brought festive cheer landside with a unique charity initiative The low-cost carrier has partnered with Deliveroo to trial an at-home trolley service in London, serving complimentary drinks and snacks to residents in return for a voluntary donation to the charity Age UK. Uniformed cabin crew delivered the in-flight trolley service direct to homes in London, with treats including gin and tonics, glasses of Prosecco and Bloody Marys alongside snacks such as olives and crisps. The crew even performed the safety instruction demonstration on request. The airline hoped to bring some fun of flying to people's home this winter and saw the initiative as a way to keep the cabin crew match fit ahead of the resumption of flights next year. The trial took place on December the 17th and 18th and was open to all residents in central London, so that zones one and two over the age of 18. Availability was limited, so a form had to be filled out on delivery and a delivery slot confirmed ahead of the trial. Tina Milton, Director of Cabin Services at EasyJet said, as much as our customers have missed flying in recent months, our cabin crew have really missed doing what they love to do best, serving our customers. So this trial gives us a great opportunity to bring EasyJet to customers' doors with our trolley delivery service. So for now, we will focus on ensuring our service remains as good on the ground as it does in the air, and we look forward to welcoming everybody back on board in 2021. Uh, age uk for those of you that don't know are the uk's leading charity helping the elderly with information advice health care well-being and campaigning for rights of the elderly and raising funds to do all of this work and for more information you can actually go onto the age uk.org.uk website so there we go i
1: love it. i mean i think i think it's a really nice idea i, I quite like the idea of uh a social... <laughs> You know, sort of booking it, rocking up, and sort of, you know, I, I really want them to bring the trolley as well. That's, that's, yeah. The, yeah I don't, I don't want it to come in a van or on a scooter. I want them to push the trolley down my street, and uh, <laughs> I want to. No, I'm just, okay. just watching the video.
5: <laughs> I'd like a gin and tonic brought to me front door. That'd be lovely.
1: Absolutely. I think okay, the I love the idea of the trolley just on the drive. You know, yeah. I, I, may, <laughs> maybe the safety briefing there is probably a little much. I've got
0: to be honest. Is but there I, I, escort that I thought you guys get around? that. Service anyway matt andy I, I thought you already have that service with the airline you fly for you know you get uh, luxury drinks brought to the flight deck and
5: <laughs> oh, that'd be nice. meals and... <laughs> that'd be lovely wouldn't
0: that be
1: nice yes absolutely <laughs> yeah, yeah apparently yeah, uh, richard Adams is in the chat room apparently but
0: i haven't got a chat room here so somebody could look into uh, that richard for Adams says he says new advert coming soon Get trolleyed with EasyJet. I see what he
1: did there. That's very good. Yes, okay. And uh, as Carlos pointed out, that is the end of the uh, commercial. Section Now, uh, if you uh, would like to see some of the videos and the pictures, or indeed read more in depth of the stories that we've featured this week, then make sure you take yourself to the show notes that are either in the YouTube feed that will appear after this, but also if you're listening to the audio version of the show, you'll find in there all the details. uh, You'll find all the details uh, in there. Uh, You can also, don't forget, while we're doing the live show, you can send us messages and we can pop them in on our screen. The WhatsApp number into the studio here is plus four four seven five seven two two four nine one six six. That's plus four four seven five seven two two four nine one six six, and it's podcast at plane UK dot com
4: is the email address.
0: Now, Nev, we've got a very, very special segment coming up
4: from you next, haven't we? Oh, yes, thank you very much indeed. Well, we haven't done the Nev's passenger experience for a while because I haven't been flying anywhere. So oh, no, quite. <laughs> as it's episode uh, three hundred and fifty, I thought, why not do a bit of a reprise uh, of the Nev a uh, nervous passenger experience that I did uh, back in uh, September of 2019. Uh, this is where I took a Finnair flight to Helsinki and back. And actually, I was thinking about this the other day and I thought, well, I remember why I did take that flight now, because it was one of the only times I've ever flown, in fact, it was the only time I've ever flown on the A350. I was going to take a BA flight, but that would have just been an A320 there and back. So I thought, I'm going to have a go at the A350. I had to alter my flight time slightly, because they also run an a 321 aircraft a couple of times a day to and from Helsinki but uh, this is my first trip on the Finnair A350 so let's have a look another NEVS passenger experience and this is all about my flight on a Finnair A350-900 to Helsinki from London Heathrow and here we are in the uh, terminal itself, Uh, this is Terminal 3 and uh, I actually arrived at Terminal 2 for some strange reason to to go to uh, Helsinki from Heathrow so I had to walk quite a long way as you can probably see. Uh, this a slightly smoother ride on the Travelator thing, I've got to say, so that's uh, that's quite nice. Uh, but um, here we are, coming up to the uh, entrance to Terminal 3 at Heathrow. This has all been refurbished uh, for a couple of years now, and it's very smart compared to what it used to be, that's for certain. And um, yeah, so here we are. Uh, getting ready to uh, to go inside and uh, I had use of the very nice Finnair Lounge which is also shared with Cathay Pacific and uh, very swish it is too I must say. Very much nicer than the BA one. <laughs> And they've got um, some nice uh, food and refreshments there, as you can see. So that's a cappuccino, some sausages, bacon, bread and butter. Um, and very tasty it was, actually. I really enjoyed that. but uh, Entirely unhealthy, but there we go. Uh, but they've done a very nice job of the design inside the lounge, as you can see. And uh, the quality of the soft furnishings, the, the furniture in general, is exceptional. This is a nice thing. How about this for a USB and mains? charging drawer. So you just open it and there you are. You've got a 13 amp socket and uh, two USB charging points. Here is our aircraft. Uh, It's an A350-900 as I mentioned, uh, Finnair. They use it on the uh, London to Helsinki routes, uh, but it's also from Helsinki to Hong Kong and the Far East generally. Uh, This particular aircraft uh, is an A350-941 registration hotel, sorry Oscar Hotel, Lima whiskey hotel and uh, just managed to catch it uh, as it vanished into thin air see what i did there Uh, yes so this is it's coming on to stand uh, from its trip from helsinki uh, to terminal three at london heathrow the weather was uh, reasonable so this is the uh, the boarding gate itself uh, quite a nice area actually and it uh, was very well organized by the folks there this is the economy seat and it is very roomy indeed let me tell you as you can see so a nice uh, screen there and uh, the uh, huge rolls royce engines uh, on this aircraft the size of the wing absolutely is astounding. Until you've sat on one of these you cannot believe how long this wing is. Now here's a, a camera view. Uh, this is the underneath camera uh, and uh, this is the moving map display and um, yeah it's, uh, it's very well designed actually. Very neat. Uh, this is us being pushed back uh, from the gate uh, with the, uh, the tow truck and uh, this is the, uh, the the forward view now. You'll just see on the top of the aircraft there the uh, Wi-Fi antenna as well, and a nice shot of Concorde uh, Alpha Bravo just at the holding point of runway 27 Left uh, here at Heathrow. Uh, that aircraft should still be flying in my opinion, but there we are. We've had that conversation many times before. So this is uh, lining up onto, just coming over the threshold of 27 Left at Heathrow. And you'll notice straight away how quiet the aircraft is. I've not really sort of mucked about with the audio on this at all. I've just recorded it straight off my iPhone and stuck it into my editing program. Uh, But uh, even when we uh, apply takeoff power, uh, it is remarkably quiet, I've got to say. And uh, well, I'm really looking forward to this bit, I must say. Uh, the um, the view from this camera is really really good, uh, This uh, my video doesn't really do it justice, sorry about the flickering, it's unfortunately something you can't get rid of with the iPhone, but uh, you'll just see a, a British Airways uh, Airbus in front of us going for an intersection departure, so that would normally be me hopefully. Uh, So this is the top camera view, the the forward view um, so you can see the antenna again of the Wi-Fi and uh, that aircraft in front has now departed. So it's our turn to go and um, this is very nice indeed because just have a listen to this. And that's as loud as it gets. It is incredibly quiet, and the skipper's doing a nice job of tracking the center line there as well, isn't he? Mind you, the, the wind was uh, fairly mild, so uh, f- fairly moderate, so it wasn't wasn't too bad. So it's quite easy to keep it straight down the runway, I would imagine. Uh, but um, this was obviously a reduced thrust takeoff, uh, flex takeoff, I would imagine, because uh, we used up quite a bit of runway, um, and we're airborne, and um, still very quiet, isn't it? Have you noticed? <laughs> and here's the gear coming up so just a little bang from the uh, the main gear doors So this is coming west out of Heathrow so we're coming up to the vista that is the Staines Reservoir Not the sort of place you'd want to go on holiday, particularly, but there it is. Um, And just coming over the M25, and we're going to turn right very shortly. And um, you'll hear the flaps coming in, the first stage of flap coming in in a second, which is quite noisy, actually. I was quite surprised. Uh, Oh, sitting directly over the wing. There it is. Anyway, not exactly a showstopper but uh, notable I thought. Um, So this is us uh, just a bit further out from London now, Uh, just getting ready to head east and northeast across the North Sea. Still very quiet. Now I've got an economy comfort seat which I paid an extra £20 for but it makes a heck of a difference. It's really comfortable. Great moving map display uh, again on the seat backs um, and uh, really high resolution. This is nice as well, you actually get sort of a pilot type view so you can see the altimeter, the compass and everything. I paid uh, 7 euros for this rustic and filling baguette. Oh, and some wine as well, that was uh, very nice. Um, but they only serve uh, tea, coffee and stuff. Now, have a look at this, flight level 410. That's the cruising altitude that we were at. Um, and uh, that's higher than normal, isn't it? I mean, most aircraft are sort of 37, 38,000 feet, but we were up there at flight level 410. Uh, so uh, that was great. And um, just coming into uh, the outskirts of Finland at the moment, and uh, yeah beautiful day actually lots of clouds lots of fluffy clouds but it was very nice Uh, again still really quiet uh, in the cabin Uh, the aircraft was nowhere full either by the way it's probably about two-thirds full i would say something like that Um, but um Yeah, very, very smooth and, you know, just it's a very different experience to to most other aircraft I've been on. Just taking a left turn here. I think we're just joining the localizer to uh, runway 22 right at Helsinki. And um, just about to deploy the first stage of flaps, I would imagine, as well. So um, yeah, the, the views you get from these onboard cameras are really, really good. Uh, none of the flickering that you can see on the video here. It's, it's really, really high quality. And um, I think that they've, um, they've worked really hard to, to get the interior of this aircraft as, as nice as they possibly can. And I think they've definitely succeeded. And, and Finnair, uh, the crew did a fantastic job. And I've got to say, they're a lot better than BA in that respect, which is uh, not something you normally hear me say. Right, here we are on fire. Finals uh, for runway two to right, and uh, still very quiet, even with uh, f- uh, full flaps deployed gears down but there's very little noise in the cabin and that's the most significant thing. Don't forget the other thing about this aircraft of course is that it's got the reduced cabin altitude so I think it's probably around about 6,000 or 6,500 feet. doesn't make a lot of difference on the short haul legs like uh, I did so that was about a uh, two and a half hour uh, trip to Helsinki but on the long haul sectors, the 10, 12, 13 hour sectors, it will make a very big difference I would imagine. Um, so so, uh, yeah, very, very nice indeed. So, yeah, just uh, about a mile out now, uh, coming over to the, uh, the main uh, airport at Helsinki, Vanta. And uh, this airport has got very big over the last 10 years. I've not been there actually since about 2006, but uh, it's got two terminals, very nice facilities in there. Um, and, uh, yeah, overall a, a very nice experience, I've got to say. So here we are just about to come over the threshold of uh, 2-2 right. And uh, our chums at the front wanted to get off at the first exit, I think. Um, So it's a very, very smooth touchdown. Uh, and, uh, you know, you could barely feel it. But then there was an th- incredibly uh, high amount of braking effort required here, which is why my camera's gone a bit wobbly and we're all sort of being pushed forward in our seats. Because I think the turn-off he really wanted to get was this one coming up here, but he was just a little bit too fast. So, um, he thought, "No, I shall. Uh, I shall take the next one instead to save wearing the brakes out," um, which he did. And uh, uh, yeah, as you can see, uh, really, really um, well. Just the the whole experience was was really, really good. I, I've I think that they've. Um, tried very hard to get the, the passenger experience up on, on this aircraft. There's, there's no question about it. Carlos and I will be going on the A350 1000 that BA have uh, in November when we go to the Dubai Air Show. So I'm really looking forward to that as well. So we're just clearing the runway here. And a um, uh, bit of finish action there. And a bit of flap retraction sound as well, as you would expect. I think he's saying thanks for flying for now So just coming up to the stand uh, now, and um, uh, these this I cannot tell you how good it is to see these views. I know I keep going on about it, but they they, they really do look good when you can see the uh, the front and the, uh, sorry the the top and the forward cameras. Uh, really good. Um, and this airport is a lot busier than it used to be, that's for sure. Uh, lots of flights that go over to the Far East, Hong Kong and China generally uh, from here, because it's a very good route back into Europe uh, for the Far East airlines. haven't seen this airline before. It looks like a 787-9. Um, so that's a new one for me. And, um, yeah, see all sorts of uh, different types of uh, aircraft. So we're just coming on to stand perfectly lined up uh, by the uh, the crew there, very nice indeed. And it's great that you can see all the ground crew uh, getting ready to uh, put the chocks in and put the uh, external power in and connect the headphones in and all this sort of stuff. So it's uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's such a different experience to see all of this. So I'm really pleased that I went on this flight uh, with Finnair and the uh, Airbus A350-900. I can't recommend it highly enough, absolutely superb.
6: If you want to take your knowledge to the next level, sign up for a subscription at the A320 Lounge. Our online video courses combine whiteboard-style lessons with full failure demonstrations shot in 4K in state-of-the-art simulators using a professional production team. Go into your next simulator session with confidence, having seen failures run in real time and with the background knowledge to answer any questions from your instructor. To get more information and to sign up, visit a320lounge.com.
1: I tell you what, it's just as well they can't hear what how, what we're talking about when we're not on air, isn't it? <laughs>
5: Never take financial advice from a pilot. That's all I'll say after that. OK, conference.
1: I've got it. <laughs> quite. Absolutely. Definitely. <laughs> absolutely. Right. OK. Uh, so uh, we, welcome to everybody who's just joined us from Airshow World. Hi, Stu. Thank you very much for you and your wonderful hello, people coming Stu. to say hello. Uh, and uh, good news, Armando, because they always arrive just in time for what one might argue the best part
2: of the show. You guys keep thinking that it's coming over from Air show World. I think that people. I send out a notification for military, right? Do and then you people do. join up. Yeah. Do you? What's right. I do. Okay. Anyways, since <laughs> we're right in the middle of the show this week, we don't even have to rush it. So Matt, if you're ready, hit the button. <laughs>
0: So the first story in the military segment comes to us this week from uh, airforce-technology.com. And uh, it's an aircraft, a military aircraft that I've been on a few times, and I do like this one. This is the A400M, and the Belgium Air Force has received its first uh, A400M, a military transport aircraft designed to carry loads to tactical locations. Airbus is set to deliver six additional units to the Belgium Air Force and uh, the customer received the first aircraft uh, at the a400m final assembly line in seville spain uh, subsequently the cust- uh, is performed a ferry flight i should say to its base at millersbrook in belgium to join the 15th air wing transport the a400m fleet at the Belgian base will include a total of eight aircraft seven from the Belgian air force and uh, one from the Luxembourg Armed Forces. Uh, the Luxembourg unit was delivered early this year. Airbus Defence and Space Military Aircraft Head Alberto Guterres said with the delivery of this aircraft, all launch customers are now equipped with the A400M. MSN-106 will join the Luxembourg aircraft uh, in the binational unit operated jointly with Belgium. Despite challenges due to COVID-19, he said our teams have achieved all 10 aircraft deliveries scheduled this year, bringing the the global fleet uh, in operation to 98 aircraft. Uh, The company is scheduled to deliver the second A400M for Belgium uh, in early next year. Um, now, we saw these at Riyadh a few years back when we actually managed to get to Riyadh. Actually, probably three years ago, i imagine this is now. I had a full tour on one of these, actually, with, uh, with Pip on one of the days. And uh, it was great to see on board the A400M. Good bit of kit this, Armando.
2: Yeah, it's no secret that the A400 is one of my favorite airplanes. And I've spent a lot of time on C-130s, uh, probably probably 600 hours total on C-130s uh, as an aircrew member. And the A400 is just an incredible airplane. And and what's good about this um, for an Air Force like the Belgian Air Force is, uh, this airplane is 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 the IKEA of airplanes. So it'll do everything. It'll do uh low level, it'll do combat, it'll do humanitarian missions. You can put uh, seating pallets in it so you can carry probably 200, 250 people in it. I don't know the exact numbers. You can do par- paratrooper drops with it. So especially nowadays, in the middle of the pandemic where everybody is trying to move uh, cargo and supplies from A to B, uh, especially in Europe, an airplane like this is incredibly capable and with its short field and unimproved cap- uh, airfield capabilities. It's just uh, just a, a, an incredible force multiplier, as we used to say, for the Belgian Air Force. So um, you'll probably start seeing it in the skies over Europe going everywhere.
4: Actually, um, uh, there was a um, an A four hundred M flying from Finland uh, to Bryce Norton uh, just a couple of days ago, and it flew over my house at about eight thousand feet. A very distinctive sound, uh, absolutely. Uh, nothing quite sounds like it uh, in the sky at all.
1: The, the thing that scares me the most about that Nev is that you successfully managed to identify a
4: military aircraft. Uh, yes. <laughs> Only because uh, flight radar 24 uh, was showing it. And I heard this sound outside, I thought, what on earth is that? (laughs) Uh, I think it slightly concerned me, though, with um, Armando's um, uh, reference to Ikea. Presumably, then, uh, the A400M doesn't come with the right number of screws. um, Or too many. (laughs) Uh, Does
5: it need (laughs) an Allen key? (laughs)
4: Yeah,
3: Yeah, it's
2: all the same screws that are used in the Airbus helicopters, as well as their... uh... (laughs)
3: The desks that they designed it on. <laughs>
0: first, actually, first flew in two thousand and nine, so the A four hundred M is still, I would say, relatively new. Okay, so we're running a little bit late. So, if so Nev, you've this. got this next one. Um, going to Brow, B A Brow.
4: It's Bruff, actually. All right, Bruff. Uh, oh. All right, all right, Bruff. Who <laughs> correct you? <laughs> irritate you, Um, but um, this is on the BBC (laughs) website, it's actually quite a sad story actually, because it says that uh, British Aerospace at Brough um, aircraft manufacturing ends after 104 years BA have built aircraft there since 1916, but after the final delivery of hawk jets to Qatar it will focus on engineering almost 400 manufacturing job losses were announced at the site in October 2017, and despite the ending of a more than a century of history, BA Systems says that the uh, factory had a bright future. Well, the site confirmed 238 staff were taking voluntary redundancy with 135 manufacturing workers moving into other areas of the business. About 20 people are at risk of compulsory redundancy. Uh, BA Systems said that uh, 650 people will work on engineering projects, including Tempest next-generation combat aircraft and the Dreadnought class of ballistic submarines from January. Dave Caulfield, site director, described it as an emotional and sad day with departing colleagues honoured with a traditional hammering out. People grab a hammer and bang it on benches as they walk from the hangar, he said. There won't be a dry eye in the house when we hammer out the last of our manufacturing colleagues. Well, the aircraft began manufacturing in br- Bruff. Uh, in 1916, with the opening of the factory by aviation pioneer Robert Blackburn, more than 80 different aircraft were built by the firm, including the Mercury, Buccaneer, and the Swordfish, uh, which were used during World War II. A series of mergers led to the company being acquired by the forerunner of BAE in the 1960s. And uh, as always with these sorts of situations, there will be people that have been working there for 10, 20, 30 years or, or more, and families actually working. Uh, in that sort of facility, so it's uh, very sad indeed to see the uh, the loss of of so many jobs there.
2: Yeah, it's always uh, it is always sad. We've had the same thing happen here in uh, some of our manufacturing facilities, but you know, especially with the unmanned aircraft and more more technology going to space. Um, I mean, British Airspace is a huge company, so they they'll be they'll be. Fine and as a company, but yeah, I'm sure the, the community will take a hit, so. Um, speaking of uh, manufacturing, this next story is from the aviationist, and it is uh, the first serial production Su-57 is delivered to the Russian Airspace Forces. Um, this aircraft, which is actually the second one to be serially built, uh, was delivered a year after the first one crashed during pre-delivery testing. Uh, the Russian Air, Air Force... Uh, received this airplane on December 25th, 2020. It's, it is their first one, the Su 57 Felon, fifth generation uh, fighter aircraft. So, according to a source in the military industrial complex, quoted by uh, Russian News, uh, the aircraft entered service with one of the aviation regiments in the Southern Military District, and four more Su 57s will be delivered in 2021. Um, later, that uh, News source quoted another source in the military uh, saying that the aircraft will be used to test hypersonic air-launched weapons at the 929th VP Chaklov State Flight Test Center. Um, Another Russian news agency reported uh, instead that the aircraft will be tested at uh, at Akhtubinsk before moving to another operational unit. So this kind of testing can't be performed or can't be confirmed officially, spotters were able to confirm that the felon's final base as the aircraft uh, was photographed during a stopover at uh, Novozibersk's airport with the logo of the Chaklov State Flight Test Center on the fuselage. Um, The crash of the first aircraft, which is actually the first one um, since its first flight in 2010 was caused by a failure of the tail control system After that crash Sukhoi reportedly underwent some changes in the management of the company and after the investigation a number of technical improvements were applied to the second aircraft um, delaying the this delivery by uh, at least a year. Uh, Among these improvements it was mentioned that the aircraft saw new hydraulic actuators for the flight controls replaced by electromechanical ones um, and this company may also have to um, replace that crashed Su-57 at its own expense. Um, this article particularly went on to some of the changes uh, that they made to this aircraft and what some of the capabilities are for this Su-57. Um, I think a lot of uh, Russia's Air Force, they're, they're putting this in place to compete with the uh, F-35. Um, but it's uh, something that we'll, I guess, keep an eye on in the future.
0: I was going to say, it looks very much like an F-22, Armando, I have to say.
2: Yeah, that's always the you case, put- isn't it?
0: Mm you put these side by side, there's not much difference between the two. No.
2: Yeah, you know, and, and there was an article that we, we actually cut out, um, despite, I know this is going to make everybody sad, but we do have to cut the military segment a little bit short. There was an article um, about a MiG-21 that just crashed uh, uh, recently, I believe it was in India. And uh, it's amazing that, you know, we're talking about the Su-57 while well, there's still MiG-21s flying all over the, the world, really, in, in Africa. I know it. In Romania, I was flying against MiG-21s doing aerial intercepts and things like that. So, you <laughs> you know, to be in the Air Force nowadays, you have to sort of plan for everything from a 1961 MiG-21 to the cutting-edge Su-57 as your potential adversary. So it's an interesting world.
1: Definitely. Absolutely. Uh, Okay, we're going to uh, need to move on, I'm afraid. Uh, And in the change to the build uh, details in our show notes, we're actually going to move on to uh, chatting to our guests. Now, uh, it's been lovely to have them on the show, but there is actually a reason why they've come to join us. And perhaps the easiest thing for us to do is, uh, Matt, perhaps you'd like to explain to us uh, what you've been up to during lockdown.
6: Well, yeah, we've been pretty busy, actually, to the point where we've actually joked that uh, we would struggle for time if we had to go back to flying <laughs> anytime soon. <laughs> so uh, we're, we're rushing to get as much done as we can before, hopefully, not too long from now, we get to go back on the line and get back in the air. Mm. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah, I'll. Uh, well, I'll let Andy start uh, with uh, giving you some information about what we've been doing.
5: Yeah, well, as, as you all know, we started the A320 podcast about five years ago, and we were hoping to get a few listeners and use the time to develop our own knowledge as we went along. And before we knew it, we had listeners all over the world asking us to produce specific content, covering specific failures that weren't understood well, or had little coverage in the manuals. And then not long after that, we were getting many requests to produce videos, make a YouTube channel, even had suggestions to stream live on Twitch, all sorts of things. I mean, I'd be no good on Twitch. I'd mess that up royally. (laughs) Um, So that's when the A320 Lounge, which you saw the advert for that before, became a viable idea. Um, And as you all know, Nevers, our cameraman, and Matt, of course, has also helped us with the uh, initial editing for our first set of videos. We've now built up quite a large library of content on the A320 Lounge um, of the vast majority of the failures covered in the type rating and recurrent simulator sessions. The pilot community who listen to us and view our content have given us loads of feedback, which enabled us to improve our content over the years then suddenly the pandemic hit and as the pandemic hit pilots all across the globe were suddenly grounded and it doesn't take long especially in a job like ours for your skill and knowledge to become degraded and it's vital that all pilots keep up to date with procedures technical knowledge and regulatory changes. So during lockdown Matt had the idea of running an online webinar covering the important memory items on the A320. And memory items, for those of you that don't know, are sets of checklists we must know off by heart in case we need to use them immediately in flight. So we offered this session for free, and we expected to maybe get around 40 to 50 people signed up. And in the end, 500 people turned up to watch it. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) Wow. Which was just crazy. So Matt, over to you.
6: Yeah, so as you can imagine, we were pretty excited about this um, initially because you can set on the webinar software to have it where you can not show the other people in the webinar how many people have joined, and we used this setting. We thought it'd be pretty embarrassing if only two or three people turned <laughs> up. So uh, it we quite quickly became evident we didn't need to use that that button anymore. So that was good, and this basically gave us the idea for what we are discussing today and have launched today, which is the 737 Lounge. So, as the months rolled by with more and more pilots losing their currency and being able to or unable to fly or get in the classroom to do refresher courses, the idea to do these online emerged. So, as everyone will have experienced, businesses seem to have moved on to Teams, Zoom and Skype over the last year. And we decided to do things a little differently. Firstly, the 737 is not our aircraft type, as you'll know but we know a man whose knowledge is literally second to none on this. If there's anyone listening that's done a 737 type rating in the last 25 years probably at a very well-known establishment down on the South Coast, you may well know this person who we've got. And uh, his name is Richard Kosher. And he has worked in aviation in total for over 45 years. And he spent the last 20 years technical instructor on the 737 he's probably forgotten more than most people know <laughs> about this airplane so then we thought about how we could do this in a way that's more visually appealing and engaging than a zoom call and it has to of course always be worthwhile for the student so with the help of a colleague who you may have actually seen a quick cameo there in our a320 lounge video he's uh, the guy that is the role of the captain in those videos. So he's been helping us out with those. Uh, He's actually helped us because he owns a studio in London with his brother. And we've set about making a live interactive learning environment with those guys. Now they really know what they're doing. They've got customers who include Sky Sports and the Renault Formula One team. And they use top of the range technology and professional broadcast equipment. So he's come together with us to come up with the design of the course and the webinar and during the course, students can actually ask questions live. And once someone's asked the question there, what they've said, will appear on screen for everyone to see. And in real time, Richard will explain the answer to these questions. In addition to this, he'll be throwing questions back. So Richard will give a question to the chat room and there'll be like a poll question and everyone can give their answers and you can see what percentage of the chat room got the question right. So it's going to be a fantastic resource and we think that it's going to be of huge value to all those that attend.
1: It sounds very interactive, actually. Yeah, I mean,
6: that was the main thing, really. We wanted to create a classroom environment that has all the benefits of the classroom and being there and the interaction but all the other benefits of being able to experience that in your bedroom the living room the kitchen or wherever you want to be whatever your chosen quiet space is if you like exactly to, yeah. Yeah, exactly. exactly
5: so that's where we got up to with that and that launches this month and along with that we've also launched a new podcast the 737 podcast So this is basically a very similar podcast to the A320 for 737 pilots, but with two new presenters as well, because, of course, Matt and myself don't fly the 737. So um, Ian and Mark, who present it, actually came to us with the idea initially, and we've all worked together on it. Um, But these guys have put a mass amount of work in, and it's really um, down to those guys that were actually launching it. So uh, Ian and Mark are both A320 guys because that's how they found out podcast. But the airline they work for, as has been the case over recent years, went bust. So they've now working for um, other airlines, and they're now on the 737. Um, Ian and Mark are both instructors on it as well now, and they realised that nothing like the A320 podcast existed for the 737. So together, we've all worked together to come up with the 737 podcast. And today, on iTunes or wherever you else you get your um, podcast from, the first three episodes have now uh, dropped and available to download. And I was just checking before, that they have been downloaded, so they do exist there. <laughs> um, and we've got all the content for the next few months ready to go out as well. Um, and basically, we're looking to do exactly the same as we do the 320 podcast, build up a community find out what the 737 guys out there want to know want to learn about start emailing us dropping us messages on facebook the website at the moment it's a hoarding page we're just waiting for it to be finished and um then we'll build it up from there the same as uh, with the 320 podcast so now we're covering the very technical airplane and the tractor sorry the 737 <laughs>
1: Lovely. That's a, um, that's a, a way of doing it. Yes, absolutely. Now, of course, I mean this is this is aimed obviously predominantly at like pilots and uh, and, and people like that. But of course, I mean Carlos has developed a, a rather expensive habit during yeah. lockdown. I think it's safe to say. But of course, yeah. I mean you're finding this sort of thing fascinating as well for for what what you've been uh, doing in lockdown, Carlos.
0: Oh, or not. So I was on mute then. Lovely. I, think, I was going okay. I think. Um, that that no, ruined the flow. Thanks for that. Expensive. <laughs> it's expensive button, that was. No. was. Just the other ones, I bought. <laughs> uh, no, I, I think, seriously, uh, f- uh, for me someone who's got into simming over the last kind of year and i've been buying various bits and pieces and then then this christmas i got a very special present from uh from Gemma that to add to the sim
1: is that this one here um, that i've got in front of me i'm gonna I, I might, I might, is that is that the picture you're talking that's, about? that's
0: that is the the one yeah that is the latest part addition to um to my sim that i have here at home um <laughs> i think for me obviously with um that's my head it's it's, it's, it's good I look
1: at it it's so expensive
0: <laughs> with uh, with it with X Plane, I mean, I think Microsoft Flight Sim do it as well. But because I use I use X Plane Eleven, and for me, with the game X or with the sim X Plane Eleven, you do get like a, a basic operations um, like a manual as such. So you can actually start the aircraft from cold, as you know, on the on the sim itself using various bits and pieces and stuff. But I think this would be brilliant for people in the sim world like me who who um, you know do this in the sim to learn more about the inner workings of all the the FMC and all the other bits and pieces of the aircraft. So I think it's a really good idea for uh, people in the sim world. Yeah, you know,
2: Carlos, too. I'll I'll, I'll say to Matt and Andy too, that I was just talking to my wife this morning about how aviation, you're always studying for a check ride, right? Even uh, right now, I just finished a check ride about three months ago and then I got a different check ride coming up in April and you occasionally get the gouge um, for an evaluator and you know some of the questions that they're going to ask so something like this where you can actually go to a podcast episode and find a specific system or a specific failure mode or something. Um, that you know my mind there's no way that all of us can remember all the systems on the airplane, you know, you know cursory information on everything you, you generally know what you need for the check ride. And then that may be a different body of knowledge for what you actually need to fly the airplane. So something like this is great. When you're coming up on your check ride, you have a 30-minute commute to work or the airport, plug in a system, you, you listen to it, you get refreshed on it, you get a different viewpoint on it, and then hopefully you know, for different types of learners, it sticks, so I commend you guys for doing something like this for different airplanes.
0: Actually, I'll give you an ideal thing, which is one of the things just before we move on, which is what i done the other, the other day. I used all my checklists, I went through all the different bits that you get, that you get with the guy, with the sim, and I took off, everything was fine, Go up to, to crew or up to up towards cruise level, and the screen went blank. Goes black. Like, Why has the screen gone black? Look down. The PC is still running. The noise is still there. The aircraft noise is still there. And basically, what I'd failed to set was the pressurisation for the cabin. So you what, did a Helios,
6: basically. What
0: X Plane Eleven does <laughs> is, if you forget to switch on the um, the you know the the actual pressurisation system. It will turn the screen black and so you can't see nothing see so eventually
5: virtual hypoxia
0: yeah i haven't
5: made that mistake since well, then i and, do <laughs> as as a... on that note one thing i was going <laughs> to add and this is for all pilots out there using the ikea competencies the first barrier really at the bottom of the list is knowledge and if everybody has even if it's just a good working knowledge It doesn't have to be exceptional. Nobody's got exceptional knowledge. Matt and myself will admit, we may look like we know loads and loads of stuff, but you can ask us a question. I go, oh, don't know. As long as you've got a very good work and knowledge of the aeroplane, that first barrier can save you from a lot of issues later on. And that was the whole point in all of this, to give all pilots now on two of the widest selling um, airframes in the world, to give them that extra bit of knowledge so that if one day they do need it, it's there, ready.
2: Yeah, and I, I think there's a... Sorry, Matt, you can tell us, tell us to move on, but I can talk about this for a long time, too. If you look, if you talk to old guys like Al or uh, Ooh, Captain Jeff or careful. Captain Nick... <laughs>
6: No. <laughs> no experience but, um, you meant experience yeah, the, yeah, yeah you. that's the term you want. Yeah, that's yeah. the word <laughs> <laughs> oh.
2: back, back in the 70s and the 80s and even the early 90s when you went for a check ride you were expected to know almost an engineering level of aircraft systems and even the, in the air force so i went in uh, in the 90s into the air force and we were expected to know the same thing it was i mean it was an, a flight engineer level knowledge and over the years that has kind of transformed because they, they figured out that it was a bit overkill, especially more technologically advanced aircraft, that it was overkill and the pilots don't really need to know how many screws there are on the leading edge of the, of the inner D ice boot. Right. Um, it doesn't help me in the airplane. If the boot if the boot fails or anything like that. So it's, there's been a more practical a- application than an, a, a, Uh, the check rides have gone to a much more you know practical application which which is that level of knowledge that most pilots need now exactly
1: and 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 with all conversations like that virtually everything has gone straight over my head
6: (laughs) that's what aircraft do
1: matt i see what you did there yeah (laughs)
6: just to to mention before that of course we've got these webinars that you can book it's probably best to give you the dates if anyone out there does want to Ooh, yeah. sign up so the first one launches in just under two weeks so we've got the 19th and 20th of january and it's two days it runs from 9:30 in the morning till 5:30 in the evening gmt and then the second date we've got so far is the 25th and 26th of feb for the same So if you want to head over to our website, as Andy said, it's 737lounge.com and the podcast one is 737podcast.com. Very
1: cool. Uh, Okay, we'll take a very quick commercial break. We'll be right back after this message.
6: If you want to improve your 737 knowledge, why not attend one of our live technical refresher courses? These two-day webinars are not just a Zoom call, nor are they just an instructor stood in front of a whiteboard. Our professional production team in their London studio uses the latest technology to bring you a fully interactive and engaging experience. Ask your instructor questions live at any time. For more information and to sign up, visit 737lounge.com.
1: Okay, so some of you will remember that just before Christmas, actually, we started a new series uh, with uh, what I can only describe as the legend that is uh, George Lee. So uh, Nick very kindly did uh, uh, one of his marvellous In Conversation With for us uh, and uh, that's involving uh, this particular book here or this is the reason why I've got it to say George Lee, a wonderful chap. Uh, Part one if you haven't already uh, seen it you'll find it in um, I can't remember I think it was uh, episode 349 uh, is available on there so if you haven't seen part one then you can go back to uh, watch that at some point Uh, but it's uh, we pick up basically where we left off uh, where he was telling us all about his lovely wife.
8: Um, d- during that tour, you met a very pretty lady um, who seemed to find something in a junior technician uh, that she uh, found attractive, despite you getting her uh, very wet on the back of your motorcycle. <laughs> That's when you met your wife, wasn't it?
7: It was, Nick. Uh, to back up one, yes, on the motorcycle. My motorcycling interest had actually started at Halton when a, one of my uh, combat line modeling friends, he actually had a motorbike himself. And we weren't allowed to have motorcycles on base at RAF Halton as an apprentice. So we, we kept them down the local village, probably illegally in, in, in a storage <laughs> shed, a village called Wendover. And uh, th- that dear motorbike, yeah, very special. So when I met Maren, that was part of my life and she kind of had to get used to it, I suppose. We met, at a Halloween party at the gliding club. And I'd never met her, seen her even before. She used to come up to the gliding club because she was with a farming, uh, a farmer and his family from Norway. Maren came over to improve her English. And this farmer, because of his engineering skills, was a special member of the gliding club. So Maren actually used to come up to the airfield quite often and sit in the bus and have a cup of tea. And I was always very busy, never went into the bus. I was either on the winch or driving tractors or flying. So we never met until that Halloween party. And uh, yes, the old saying, eyes met across a crowded room and the uh, the rest was history.
8: Well, it certainly sounds like you hit it off pretty quickly. Now, it must have been very hard for you because your dream of becoming an Air Force pilot has been dashed. But although you had the gliding on the side to keep you interested, uh, what did you think about your future? Did you really imagine you were ever going to do
7: what you wanted? I never lost that that dream, uh, Nick, never. It, it was in there. It wasn't going to be taken away. Flying just meant so much for me, to me. Can I just say that I started my aviation career gliding. um, I know people will think I'm biased, and of course I am, but the reality, I feel this very strongly, that starting an aviation career, developing an aviation interest at all, the best way to start is through gliding, it really is. It, It rams home the fundamentals, stick and rudder usage, of course, but airmanship, basic airmanship, lookout, all of that sort of thing, a feel for the air. And those elements, that foundation will stand any budding pilot in very good stead right throughout his aviation career. But to come back to this, this friend uh, the, he, who became a close friend, Tug Wilson, he was a Hastings pilot, the CFI of the gliding club. He knew my passion for flying and yeah he got the application off station so then i was able to paddle my own canoe and the assessments and everything at biggin hill went well and i was accepted so i had to go to south sony for officer training which was interesting in its own right and then on towards uh yes the flying flying training system
8: now it seems that everything was slotting into place for you um how did you get on uh, you'd had a difficult start to your air force career but now you were in the flying training system were you worried uh did you excel how
7: what happened well i started my powered flying training on the dear venerable chipmunk which i thoroughly enjoyed actually and yeah it, 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 it was a great machine as a basic trainer i do remember a mistake i made one day and that i was Feeling perhaps a little bit off, maybe a little bit of a cold developing, and I stupidly, instead of crying off the, the training sortie, went along with it, and I'll never forget that flight. <laughs> I learned a very valuable lesson: but if one has a little bit of anything, you do not fly. End of story. And certainly in, a, in, in an unpressurized, little bit drafted ship, it wasn't it wasn't my finest moment. But uh, no, the aircraft was very good. I forget how long that lasted, frankly, how many hours. But that was the start. And then, of course, on to the Jet Provost at basic flying training at RAF Leeming. The training went well. And uh, I was I was always, I have to say, a very competitive person by nature. Looking back, I realized that from very early in life, we had a relaxing, what should be in casual, friendly game of cards as a family. like. I had to win. I mean, it's as simple as that. I, 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 I just had to win. So the competitive spirit was in there and that manifested at leaming because I managed to win uh, four of the six prizes that were available, including uh, the Sword of Honour. So, I mean, of course, I would say the course went very well.
8: <laughs> well, it went excellently. You must have looked wonderful at the front of the, the uh, graduation parade.
7: Yes, I led the parade with the sword and everything, which was really wonderful. And uh, Marin and I, we, our courtship continued. She was in London with another a, a small group of Norwegian girls, but we saw each other reasonably regularly. Now the RAF had a what I consider to be a rather Victorian attitude towards marriage in that they considered an RAF officer not to be sufficiently mature to get married until the ripe old age of 25 And if one chose to get married below that age, one suffered the consequences in that you didn't get any marriage allowance, just as an example, so you couldn't have a married quarter. But Marilyn and I were deeply in love, and there was no way we were waiting until 25. And we agreed that at the end of the BFTS, we would get married. And that happened in December 68.
8: Now, that's actually uh, quite a difficult thing for most people to cope with, because Uh, being a bachelor and involving yourself in your flying course uh, is probably enough for most people without having uh, a wife uh, waiting for you at home um, uh, to distract you, as it were. So obviously you were able to stay single-mindedly on track.
7: Well, as I say, the marriage didn't happen until the end of the course, but I did see her. Either I went down to London or she came up to uh, the Yorkshire area, and we we saw each other reasonably regularly. But then, yes, things moved on. We moved to uh, Shrewsbury, where we had a little a little flat together, and money was unbelievably tight. Uh, looking back, it's hard to imagine how we actually managed. But some, it was a good training, I guess, financial management for later in life. And at that time, aviation-wise. And there was there was a gap between BFTS and going to advanced flying at RAF Valley in Anglesey, so that's where they sent me, and uh, I flew with the uh, with the Vampire, and the instructor no not instructor the pilots were ex World War II, non commissioned uh, NCOs very experienced very 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 competent pilots so I flew with them. And we just went round and round and flew radar circuits following the directions of these trainee trainee air traffic controllers. So it was enjoyable. The vampire didn't, I didn't fall in love with the machine. The cockpit was relatively small and tight. And I'm sort of six foot two, six foot three. So I did sort of crunch myself up in the cockpit a, a little bit. But no, no, it, it was good. And uh, married life was wonderful, of course, finally. One note of tragedy during that time was that one evening, there was a knock on the door of our little apartment, and I opened the door and there was, a, there was a policeman. I thought, oh, what on earth have I done? And he came with the rather sad news that my father had died at the far too young age of uh, 52. So that was, yeah, that was, that was a very, very sad note indeed. From there on to RAF Valley Advanced Flying Training,
8: now you flew, I guess because of your size in the slightly larger hunter instead of the the tiny gnat, um, but you did very well uh, on your course at valley as well, didn't you
7: yes, you're right, Nick the nat uh, i've I have flown in a nat as a passenger during a red arrows practice session, which was amazing, but yes, very cramped, very tight, so I ended up it was wonderful i actually it, it couldn't have worked out better because the largest setup was the mat that was over at one side of the airfield at Valley, and then way over the other side near the beach was this small little hunter, hunter-like squadron. It, it was just beautiful, very small setup, and um, we had wonderful instructors, a really good boss, and away from a lot of the flying training stuff that went on <laughs> over the other side of the airfield. <laughs> And I've started off, of course, in the Hunter T-7 and then finally went on solo on, on the 6, the F-6, which was an amazing experience because, there's for a start, there's a significant thrust difference between the T-7 and, and the F-6, there really is. Secondly, these 6s uh, these had all the weapons and armaments and uh, guns, you name it, removed. So the weight was significantly lower than a normal operational role fit, and uh, the performance, like the power-to-weight ratio, was uh, was stunning. I, I think I caught up with the airplane on that first flight about ten thousand feet. It was <laughs> absolutely. But everything I've read and heard about the Hunter was just absolutely underlined for me it is the most magnificent aircraft to fly and i just feel so privileged to have flown it the handling is superb the stability everything about the aircraft was just right and the saying that if an aircraft looks right it usually is right was just came to be proven to me completely
8: that's very true i think we all felt the same about it what was the nickname uh, we used to give that uh, hunter f6 Yeah, they called it
1: the GT6. Wow. Oh, loving loving this series. Absolutely fantastic. Really is good fun. And thank you to Nick, as
0: always, for all his hard work. Uh, There is no question master like it, is there? Nick does such a good, honestly, he should be doing documentaries on, well, Discovery. Yeah, well,
1: quite, yes, absolutely. Mm. I, couldn't, I couldn't agree with you more. It's been a, a fascinating series as a way. more
0: to come in, in the next few weeks. Yeah. So uh, we're going to have a quick show here because obviously you guys saw the, the quadrant that I had uh, earlier on, but I've got it here with me now. so I thought I would bring it up so, so you could see in the camera. there we go. So this, this is my new addition um, to the sim at home everything works all the throttles work perfectly and you've got all the toga switches uh, auto throttle disconnect speed brake flap lever which actually is you know you can actually select the different flaps and also you've got the trim wheels which do obviously work as well and uh, cut off switches here parking brake and uh, yeah, it lights up. You can probably see on it, you can see on the camera. There, it does actually light up. There's actually lights in there, which. Um,
1: in fact, actually, yeah, I've got some um, of the
0: pictures you sent me earlier. Look, there yeah. you go. You can see it actually lit up there.
5: <laughs> if we ever doubted that your wife loved you, we don't anymore. Yeah. It-
0: it is a it is a hell of a bit of kit. And actually the, the guy who um the guy who sells these, James Brown, is in the uh, in the chat with oh, James. Mayo, is he? Okay. Yeah, James uh, James is the one who sells these. He's got an awesome website. If you take yourselves over, Matt will obviously put these in the show notes, but um if you look on flightsimpm UK uh, dot co dot UK. Uh, James, genuinely,
1: there there. if you're interested in cover, we, we'd love to talk to you about these amazing bits of kit to be brutally honest. So, uh, ping us an email podcast at playing talking, We'd love to talk to you about these amazing things. Seriously. I've never heard chat like it between these massive tech tech geeks, uh, all about these quadrants. We, we need to know more about these. I think,
0: I think yeah. Matt and, uh, Matt and Andy are, are waiting for the, uh, the A321 <laughs> to be, uh, to be released.
6: Yeah, we've been geeking out massively over the uh, A320 stuff you've got on there. So,
5: If I can smuggle one in the house, I'll have one.
6: <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh, dear me. Hey, you, guys, you guys just need to ask the wives really nicely, just like I did. Leave subtle hints around the home, you know, like um, the, the, the wallpaper on the back, of on, on the um, on your laptops and your desktops, with this picture of the Quadrant, which is what i done uh, on the lead up to Christmas. And eventually, you,
5: you it forget. Works. You forget that our wives are used to seeing all sorts of aviation areas <laughs> yeah. across the house all yeah. of the time. Yeah, I mean, a you picture saw, of you saw my of model plane collection up here earlier on. So she's used
1: to it. <laughs> I mean, never. I mean, have have you ever had an interest in sort of like the sort of simming and stuff like that?
4: Yeah, I mean, I've got um, the, the the basic Microsoft uh, Flight Sim on my. Oh, you uh, have. Yeah, so I've got the hang of, of that. Okay. But I think uh, Mrs. Nev is used to seeing bits of professional audio equipment suddenly turn up uh, without any notice. I, I can get away with that. But suddenly a 737 <laughs> throttle quadrant right. or some big stuff like this turning for, up. It's, it's for filming. Purposes. It's for
8: filming.
4: <laughs> I kid
6: you not, the other day I was ordering something, some bit of tech or something that I needed and... I saw that it was available for next day delivery on Prime. I deliberately used the non-Prime because I knew that my wife would be home the next day. I waited till two days later and she's going to be at work because you just get, get the questions. Sometimes Prime's not that good.
4: It's <laughs> too fast. It's absolutely too Podcast, fast. Podcast, by any chance. Yeah. <laughs> no. I, I,
0: find, I find, guys, order now answer questions later
1: (laughs) right okay i mean i'm still amazed that she's allowed you to put your window up i'll be honest
6: you know oh
0: yeah it's it's well it's behind me now at the moment but it's 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 there on the wall but she loves
6: but she loves it now can i ask a question as a um a novice with this sim stuff what's the difference between a throttle quadrant and a throttle quadrant nt there's two options well, the guys oh, in I the chat room. He's, he's ja, the one ja, he's... Ja, yeah, James, like James
0: to is in the chat. James is in the chat room, so I'm, I'm guessing he'll probably be frantically tapping on his keyboard now to uh, to answer that question for you.
1: <laughs> Absolutely, there we go. It's uh, it's one of those this sort of odd thing. It's just like I mean, come on, guys. Like seriously, though, does does is simming interesting to, to I mean, you guys. I mean, it's all right for Carlos because he wants to fly fly an airplane and doesn't. Um, but like for, for you guys, I mean, surely this is like, you know, it's like a busman's holiday. This is the last thing you want to do when you get home. Surely. Yeah, well, you know
2: what? Actually, uh, Carlos came over to my house when I lived there in the UK and all of my flying, 100% of my flying in the UK was, was day or night VFR, visual flight roles. Um, so I actually had not a, I feel, I feel like I should take credit for Carlos's, uh, SIM obsession. I had a very basic SIM compared to what he's got now. But I, I would use it to keep instrument, instrument proficiency, not currency, because you can't legally. But I would use all of the technology in the airplane to actually keep uh, sharp on my instrument procedures. And I would challenge myself on those things. Um, because in the, in the Osprey, we always, we always flew uh, VFR. Uh, so as a professional pilot, I actually enjoyed the challenge of doing instrument flying in my home. So, uh,
1: prefer- I, I, so you heard it on the podcast here, essentially, Gemma, the lovely Gemma. Uh, <laughs> so, the reason why you have all this stuff is is Armando's fault. There you are. You heard it here <laughs> yeah. on the podcast. This Thanks for that, Armando. I'll mess- I'll let her know later. <laughs> <laughs> Actually well,
0: Just I'm 3,500
2: miles away, so I'm sure I'll still feel the, the slap come across. The, yeah, the,
1: the burning view. will still be
0: there. There's, there's and after things. and after we sent you those Jaffa cakes. Yeah, absolutely. Just don't what tell us Jaffa Jaffa the they're all gone. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, just uh, quickly, Matt, it's worth noting in the chat room, Jonathan Warner says, I think Matt secretly uh, plays bus simulators at the weekend.
1: I can neither confirm or deny that accusation. Uh, anyway, uh, ladies and gentlemen, I'm delighted to say that we have uh, a very popular segment uh, returning to us. It's the first one that's appeared on our show. There's been a couple released actually. What during um, uh, the Christmas period? So, if you are wanting to absorb more of the plain truce, you'll find them in on our YouTube channel. Uh, but uh, this week, uh, I had a chat with Captain Al, and we are talking about the uh, the comparisons or the differences, shall we say, between imperial and metric hello and welcome to another plain truth and this week we're going to be talking about imperial versus metric joining me as always is the legend that is captain al hi captain al
3: Hello there, how's things? Yes,
1: good, thank you, good, thank you. Now, uh, listen, I, I don't know, I, I guess at some point we're going to reach uh, that level where, where this is a, a, a non-existent question, essentially. But um, certainly here in the UK, there's a lot of confusion between metres and feet. And really, I suppose the question that I'm asking here is, I, I presume there are still other countries who are in the same boat here, is basically what are the challenges of operating in countries that are
3: using metres rather than feet for things like altitude? Okay, it's a really good question. So let me ask you, are you a meters or a feet person? Ah, right. Okay,
1: so I'm I'm a meters, meters and centimeters and millimeters person, but because of the weirdness that is the UK here, obviously I do use imperial for things like recording distance rather than okay. kilometers, for example. But yes, in, so indeed, I, I'm and a meters, are you, are you... centimeters and millimeters kind of guy.
3: Okay, and are you a a kilos or a stones person? <laughs> ah,
1: right. Yes. So, uh, well, yeah, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a hybrid, I guess, because I I still measure in stones, right. but that might be because of you know parents and things like that perhaps but absolutely so.
3: <laughs> but what is the in the uk what's the official oh, you know ki- kilograms exactly yeah. so what we have is we have a, a set of rules that's largely ignored by people and indeed <laughs> you know still in the uk we've been metric since what i don't know 1970-71 i forget exactly yeah. when but but a, a flipping long time You know, best parts of 50 years uh, and it's still an absolute shambles. So, how does this relate don't, to don't sit on the fence there, Al will. You. <laughs> so, I mean, as an absolute aside, you know, I've just been working doing a little bit of plumbing today. So, uh, looking for an inch and a half uh, bath waste that will go into a twenty-two millimeter pipe. Right. Yeah. That's good. Lovely. <laughs> So, <laughs> so, <I'm> that. <laughs> that, that, so that's why I describe it as an absolute shambles. And yeah. those are the normal measurements. Yep. So 22 millimetre pipe, that's quite normal in the UK. And an inch and a half bath waste is quite normal in the UK. So anyway, we're not here to talk about plumbing. We're here to talk about aviation. The good news in aviation is that there is ICAO, uh, the International Civil Aviation Organisation, and they mandated a set of standards. So the standard Measurement for aircraft speed is knots, nautical miles per hour. The standard way of uh, measuring, let's just say, visibility is in metres and kilometres. And therefore, when we're measuring cloud height, logically, we therefore use feet. Yes, (laughs) they chose feet. So we we have exactly the same mix-up that we have in the UK. However... It is standardized. Right. So when we're talking about altitude for aircraft, the majority of the world uses the ICAO standard, which is feet. If we're flying at 36,000 feet and we've set 1,013 hectopascals on our altimeter. Bless you. 29.92 <laughs> inches of mercury. If you are living in the United States, we'll come to them in a minute. <laughs> then you'll be at flight level 360, 36,000 feet on a standard altimeter setting. Unless you are flying in China, we'll tag on uh, Mongolia in in that, North Korea, but not too many (laughs) aircraft fly through North Korean airspace other than North Koreans. Russia, and most of the CIS states, the the bits that we used to call the USSR, okay? They use meters, brilliant, fantastic. So we have to work around this, don't we? So if we're flying from an area where feet has been used and now we're going to uh, fly in metric, we have to alter our altitude to fit in with the new system. The altimeter can't just be replaced Overnight and ping. So a little man doesn't come out and fit a new one. So what do we do? (laughs) So we have the table that says if you're flying on a metric flight level, this is the equivalent in feet and that's what you fly. Now, here's the good thing. We introduced technology some years ago. So what we can do on our altimeters is we can display meters and therefore we don't necessarily need a table. But all aircraft who fly sort of in these areas will have a a little paper table just in case the magic button's not working. (laughs) And yet you just have to alter your uh, altitude and then when you come out of the metric area, you alter it back to fit in with Imperial. Is it ideal? No. Is it a pain in the backside? Yes. Is it a safety risk? Yes. What's being done about it? Good news, quite a lot. And this is hot off the press. It's either just happened or it's shortly about to happen. So either in the last couple of weeks or in the next couple of weeks, Russia is going imperial. They are (laughs) going to be flying imperial flight levels. So there will no longer be metric flight levels in Russia. I would imagine that that will extend to the CIS states as well. And China has a mandate to go imperial as well in the future. I'm not quite sure of the exact dates, but ultimately, we will all be flying on feet around the world. Now, possibly, just possibly, there is a small glimmer of hope that America, having already adopted centigrade for the measurement of temperature, might start to use metres in kilometres for the visibility aspects. I don't see it happening anytime soon, but let's just hope. Because we could all do with using the same measurements around the world, it would make life a heck of a lot easier. Expertly answered as always, many thanks Captain Al. It's a pleasure. Oh, thanks
1: Al. I, lo- I love those segments. They're so much fun to film as well. It's again, it's another one of those where maybe one of these days I'll record like the bits that go in between. Uh, actually, no, I won't because uh, we'll be taking off air, frankly. But uh, yeah, thanks yeah, Dad as always, Dad. Captain Al.
0: Yeah, I didn't. I didn't give Dad a preview of this one this week, so Dad will be you? tuning in. Uh, he'll be listening to the.
1: Yeah. No. Indeed. So, uh, don't forget there are there are a couple of episodes that have been released actually on youtube that haven't been on the podcast yet so make sure you take yourself to our youtube channel
4: uh, nev our social media is uh, where can they find us yes you can go onto our website which is www.plaintalkinguk.com. Uh, we're on facebook of course uh, at facebook.com forward slash UK, and on twitter uh, at plain
1: Indeed. Uh, also, the WhatsApp number, don't forget, it's plus four four seven five seven two two four nine one six six. It's plus four four seven five seven two two four nine one six six. And if you send those uh, pictures to us while we're doing the show, we can actually pop them up on the screen. Uh, exciting news a guest, our guest for next week has officially been confirmed, Carlos
0: yeah well, next weekend uh, we're going to have uh, james uh, actually james brown who's going to come on the show and uh, yeah, talk with his about guitar it, uh, yeah. with his... <laughs> <laughs> and he's going to chat about uh, these awesome throttle quadrants yeah, and stuff so, and so uh, this is an yeah.
1: absolute must for anybody who's into their simming and i know there's an awful lot of you out there mm-hmm. so share the link share the love is the best thing i can say there because it's going to be a fantastic uh, I, I can't wait it's gonna be real I'm, I'm gonna proper geek out on this one
0: yeah, it's uh, actually. I'm going to say quickly before we go. It's um, if you go on to um, uh, the, the sales sites such as eBay. There's many more other ones, mm. but eBay. Of, honestly, the sim stuff now is selling absolutely frantically on there. Is it? Yeah, right. I put my old quadrant on and it went like that.
1: Wow. Anyway, enough about uh, all, all this. stuff. Anyway, kind of now um, yes. Armando, um, uh, you're you're needing to go obviously because it's actually proper snowing where you snowing, are right
2: now. yay! yeah before i show you that just remember uh stay tuned because we'll figure out which uh lucky listener is going to get this jody ruger air show hat we'll figure out how we're going to send that out but yes if you guys look actually it is actually legitimately oh, snowing here in, in oh. north carolina That's and ridiculous. it doesn't happen very often so uh, we are going to go out and play in the snow with the okay, uh, yeah. snow, angel, <laughs> snow
1: angels, snow angels. That's what we need. Snow angels. <laughs> you
2: betcha. <laughs> a no like the UK angel.
1: Funny big eyes. <laughs> Fantastic. Cool. Uh, okay. So-, so
0: that is where we're going to bring episode three fifty to a close. But before we go, we're going to just ask Matt and Andy to let us know if you don't already know where you can find out more about the awesome work they do.
5: Yeah, so let's start with the uh, the Airbus stuff. So you can find the Airbus uh, A320 podcast on uh, Twitter. So we're at A320 podcast. You can find us on Facebook with the same thing. Uh, you can email us uh, info at A320 podcast. We've also got the A320 lounge. So if you Google that, you'll find our website. And now, of course, we've got the 737 lounge. So 737lounge.com and the 737podcast.com so you can find us in all of those places for all of our information
1: Matt, Andy, thank you so very much for joining this week. It's been a lot of fun. As I say, and oh, sometimes I, I sometimes and wish we could record what we talked about when we we're off air, but we oh, won't no. for legal reasons. Frankly, yes, I, d- <laughs> I don't want it to
6: end jail or lose my job. <laughs> Ouch! <laughs> exactly, exactly.
1: So yeah, that's though, it, Thank then. you for
6: having us on. We really appreciate every uh, every yeah. time you have us on. It's, it's great. great. Fun. Oh, it's good. to have you guys oh, it's a pleasure. on. Definitely.
0: Yeah. And uh, if you don't already add it to the list, you need to add their podcast to your listening list, wherever you download them from. Absolutely. So that is it for episode 350. Big thanks to everyone who has joined us in the YouTube chat room this evening. Thank you to all of you guys for joining us. And don't forget as well, if uh, you download the show as an audio podcast, big thanks to you. And if you get a few minutes spare, um, we always love to have a review on iTunes or wherever you download the show from. So big thanks to all the guests tonight, Matt and Andy, and a big thanks to Nev as well for joining us, and a big thanks to Armando for joining us as well. A big thanks to Matt for being the legend that he is in the studio, and also not forgetting a huge thanks to John as well, our producer, who does a heap of production work uh, before we go live and all during the week before the show so take care everyone have a safe uh, weekend and take care of each other and uh, yeah from me Carlos here in my home studio from Nev in his glorious studios in Buckinghamshire from uh, Matt in the PTUK Master Suite Studios from Armando in his Charlotte Studios where it is snowing And from Matt and Andy in their studios, take care, everyone. Have a great weekend. See you next week.
6: Bye. Bye -bye. Bye Bye-bye. Bye, everybody.